Oh, 50 degrees. How about it? How about it? After That's nice. zero and below on Friday? Sounds good to me. On behalf of bald heads everywhere. <laughs> thank, you, thank you, Mother Nature, for that. <laughs> good morning and welcome back. It was. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I was in New York uh, last week where it was 50 degrees, by the way. It, yeah. It was uh, delightful. You know, and, uh, you know, being in New York on a nice day, just uh, stroll around uh, trying to avoid uh, garbage on the street. <laughs> <laughs> Cab drivers on the sidewalk. Cab drivers. <laughs> Uh, no, it was nice. We did uh, some interviews. I'll tell you more about all of that coming up later on. Uh, you know, today is the first full four-hour show. That, Since, oh, what, before Christmas, I think? Well, it, Since the, football season. Our first uh, four-hour show in studio since September the 4th. Really? Yeah. Cause wow. Because the, the Bears kicked off on the 11th. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, where are your little friends happen OB now? <laughs> they're, all, they're all prepared your for the Super Bowl. Where are, your, where are your new little buddies now? I tell you, it's really funny because during the playoffs, OB has texted me several times about what's going on on the field and comparing, oh, it, to, wow. comparing it to the Bears. <laughs> he does his own little show. It's awesome. I mean, it just remind, it just makes me feel like I, I'm still here and uh, doing nice. our show. It, yeah, he's he's a, he's fun. Hamp doesn't do that. No, no, I haven't heard from Hamp. <laughs> So I think maybe my only friend is Ob. Well, if you're going to have a friend, Ob is a good one. <laughs> yes, to have. He is. He's a very and Hap's a good man as well. He's a very very nice man. They are very uh, very nice men, yes. both of them, and scare me every time they come <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> it's like who brought these two redwood trees into the studio without, without telling me? <laughs> so I'm exhausted already. Imagine how loopy I'm going to be by three one. hours and fifty one minutes to go. I need a break already. <laughs> <laughs> already exhausted. Uh, that's why I'm telling you, tune in around 12.30, 12.45, something like that today. You know, stay with us for the whole show. But uh, you want to hear complete loopiness. <laughs> Maybe 9.30, 9.45. Very, very possible. Let alone 12.30 or 12.45. It is entirely possible. <laughs> I could come crashing like a Chinese balloon at any time. <laughs> Part of it is, with all the technology that we have... You know, that is now available to everyone. Uh, if you're going to spy on a country, a balloon is the best way to do it. <laughs> it's like you go to Osco and buy one of those big balloons that <laughs> say happy birthday on it. And you fly it out there. and <laughs> Isn't that what that was? It was, uh, a, it was a little was, bigger than was that. It was an Osco uh, balloon? It was a little bigger than that. Uh, the, uh, the apparatus that was used to... Uh, do some surveillance we'll put it that way is about the size of three school buses so a balloon from osco that would float up in there i doubt would be able to carry that kind of weight get a balloon let alone go up to sixty thousand feet with numbers (laughs) (laughs) over the hill (laughs) have a nice day over the hill till we shoot you down (laughs) so wait there's like so there's equipment inside the balloon? No, no. If if you look closely, it's it's actually hanging from the balloon, that dark area huh. that was at the bottom. Okay. L- that looks it kind of resembles the International Space Station. That's a uh, surveillance apparatus. The, you know, satellite type technology that you know would be used for uh, reconnaissance. That doesn't seem very high tech to me. Well, that seems very Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm going to take you back to Kansas. <laughs> Isn't that where they want? Did it wind up in Kansas? It flew over Kansas. <laughs> it actually did. And your little dog, and- too. <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the curtains. <laughs> yes, uh, Kansas to St. Louis to the Carolinas, and then uh, shot down um, over the coast of uh, off the coast of South Carolina. Yeah. Some of the stories uh, we've seen this morning said it was shot down off of South Carolina, but specifically the coast because they waited until it went over water, so, so the debris wouldn't hit land. Sixty thousand feet. That school bus comes crashing down. It's right. going to do some damage. That's a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did it? Did it explode into pieces, or just that it, it deflate like a balloon? Well, the balloon. Like if you took the air out of the balloon. If you look at the video, you know, actually did deflate. So there was some explosion there, and then it slowly fell. Uh, is a from sixty thousand feet, and you hit water. Yes, there's going to be debris all over, and I understand it's been spread along the water there for several miles, and that's what they're collecting right now. It will be taken to Virginia for analysis. Mm. I think if I'm going to spy in a country, I'm going to go with the drone. <laughs> I'm going to go to Radio that's Shack. Too low. I'm going, to go, I'm going to go to Target and buy one of those drones, and that seems more. Or the plane, the the electric plane you had in the backyard yeah. when you were a kid. Right. Went right. about six feet up <laughs> in the air. I'm going to get one of those. A balloon. <laughs> I don't know. It's a little scary, though, isn't it? That Like another country can just float a balloon in on us like that? Yeah. And that, you know, that's the... That's the, uh, the the situation here. China still maintains that it was a weather balloon that veered off course and happened mm-hmm. to float over U.S. airspace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what they've been saying and maintained mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And uh, they were not pleased uh, after it was shot down yesterday. Yeah. I imagine they wouldn't be so pleased if we floated something like that over, over, yeah. over Beijing. <laughs> well... As other people have pointed out, you know, we're watching them, they're watching us, the same thing with Russia, the same thing with other superpowers like that, that use balloons and satellites and this kind of thing also. So I realize I know nothing about any of this, and I'm completely talking out of my hat, whatever that means, but it just seems like such a 1940s way to spy on somebody. (laughs) <laughs> doesn't it i was thinking about come on Sputnik. Hey, president truman let's get a balloon and fly it over <laughs> well, you were well you may or may not remember of course we've all seen the documentaries about uh sputnik this the satellite that uh the russians launched in 1957 and uh which kind of scared not kind of it did uh, alarm everybody here you know it wasn't really a spy satellite it was just a ball that they put into space but that accelerated the space program and got things going here right. i don't know why i've been thinking about that because the two are not related you by any like, means you just like saying sputnik i uh, sputnik not sputnik is it sputnik 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 sputnik, sputnik. sputnik. Okay. Uh, either way it's a fun word to say mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact i would encourage everyone listening to this show today try to incorporate the word Sputnik, Sputnik into, into your conversation today. <laughs> Sometime today. When you're having lunch or dinner with your family, just say Sputnik. You go to the McDonald's drive-thru, <laughs> uh, like a quarter pounder, some fries, 
a Sputnik and a milkshake. <laughs> and, and they go, what? 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 Pull up to the window. I can't understand you. <laughs> All right. Let me get the manager. Oh, that's never a good when, when that happens. <laughs> no. So when will we be? When do you think we'll learn about uh, the balloon? You mean the, they're collecting? The, have they collected the analysis? It? They're in the process of collecting it. Yeah. I would say that we're only going to know so much because if, in fact, this really was a reconnaissance spy thing, you know, there's going to be some information that they won't want to uh, release to the public. But uh, uh, they're taking it to uh, Quantico, Virginia, mm-hmm. which apparently isn't all that far from Washington, and uh, they will analyze it, and we'll know more probably, uh, you know, during the week, later in the week, maybe tomorrow. Who knows? No. Uh, it's a little bit disturbing. Yes, it is. To me, it's very disturbing. And the fact that what we haven't found out was there was another one over Latin America this weekend. We don't know where that one is now. Right. (laughs) They've lost the other balloon? Yeah. Well, I don't know if they've lost it, but I haven't seen an update as to specifically where that one has ended up. Where was it spotted in Latin America? Latin America, uh, Central America, maybe. uh, It did not give a specific country, but if it's going west to east, it's somewhere over the Atlantic probably right now. And these are at such high altitudes. Oh, yeah. 60,000 feet. Yeah, that they're not really visible to... The, the naked eye yeah you need you know you need some high velocity lenses and the plane that shot the one down yesterday was up at over fifty thousand feet yeah that is uh that's pretty high that's for, for a plane to be pretty high yes yeah. that makes you appreciate the top gun movie yes <laughs> a little more and i like to you know bring scary world events and relate them to movies whenever possible <laughs> That's your world. That is my world. That's your world. That is my world. <laughs> um, I'm still picturing you in the backyard with the with the model plane oh, turning I around ne- in I circles. Had, I never had any luck with those <laughs> those little motorized planes. I they would I would crash them into the garage or or you know they they would just come crashing back down to earth. How about, do you remember that? Didn't I, I seem to remember like a little rocket? Wasn't there like a rocket also? Mm-hmm. That you could launch and... I, I Kids never, got hurt and then they didn't make them anymore. Yeah, I never had luck with any of that. Did you build model rockets? Uh, I did. I personally did not build model oh, rockets. Oh, those were fun. Yeah. Those were just great. They were just models though, right? Oh, no. We launched them. You launched them. You could buy um, little engines mm. for them. They had, they had kits and you could build them and paint them they had decals you could put on them and then then they came with a parachute and uh the engines would launch the rocket several hundred feet in the air and then there was a, a portion of that engine that uh exploded the uh nose cone and hmm. the parachute came out we had a big field about a quarter mile from home really? and went over there and launched them mm-hmm. did you inhale a lot of diesel fumes no, from it wasn't the, when diesel. you were a child it wasn't diesel the gasoline <laughs> whatever propelled it were, were you in a well-ventilated area <laughs> yes we were in a well very well great we were very much outside that would explain a lot <laughs> <laughs> I've been wondering for all these years now. Now we finally learn <laughs> the true Shawnee story. 
<laughs> we were more into model cars in my home. Well, we built model cars, too. I, we were big into, my. really, it was my brother who was, he, uh, till, till the day he died, uh, loved building model cars in the hospital. Oh, he built them all his life? All he wanted to do was, I mean, in his job was restoring old cars. He, he took a childhood obsession of model cars and transformed it into his real-life profession, uh, you know, rebuilding and remodeling cars. But when he was in the hospital, uh, you know, it was, it was like, what do you want me to bring you? Do you want, you want magazines? Do you want, like, bring me a model car. Hmm. Like, where do I get a model car? You I didn't even know where them. to go. To you can still get them. There's a, there's a store that sells uh, model cars on uh, Belmont. I forget the name of the store now, but... The kits that you can assemble the, still? Just like... Just like when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Exactly the same. A lot of model car glue uh, fumes going on. Well, oh, that explains you. Yeah. That explains you. I, I wasn't so much into it as my brother, but we did have a lot of <laughs> model glue smell uh, going on in the house. <laughs> I was more and into, the paint. I was more into silly putty. <laughs> much cleaner, silly much easier. Silly putty to and a slinky. I was more into the arts. <laughs> Silly putty and a slinky. <laughs> Silly putty on the comics. Oh, that was the best. Yep. That was the greatest. And that ex- that's our psychotherapy session for this week. Oh, to be young again. Andy, what was your upset? You were spo- sports? Yeah, baseball cards. Yep. Yep. Football cards. My bike. You still have them? Unfortunately, the I don't have the ones that I had when I was a kid. But during the pandemic, uh, I got back into collecting because... There was nothing else to do, really. Uh, I became kind of obsessed to the point where my wife was wondering what was going on. And I'm like, listen, I could be into a lot of worse things. So just you know, kind of very pump true. the brakes here. Yeah, so, very true. But I uh, I got back a lot of the cards that uh, that I think I had lost. I think and, you had. Yeah, it's been fun. Not to mention all that delicious gum that came with the... Uh... You know what? The funny thing about it is that some of the packs that had never been opened, you know, you get from, from these collectors that bought extra boxes... And you open it up, and the gum literally shatters. Yeah, because <laughs> it's so old. Yeah, <laughs> it just you can't. You don't even think about trying to chew it. No, I was still picking up pieces of it. <laughs> it, it, it sort of did that when you bought it fresh. Well, that's true too. Back in the day, yeah, that's true. Just remember how chalky it was. Very chalky, and it was really upsetting if if it was attached to a card, right? That you really, really wanted, and you were really looking for, it, and it left a little bit of a residue. Right. Right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that explains uh, <laughs> why we are the way we are. I think we've covered a lot of ground <laughs> yes, here we t- have. today. Uh, we have to take a short break, and then, ladies and gentlemen, it is the far-flung forecast. A good one uh, today? Oh, you bet. I ask you every week, hoping one week you'll go, eh, not really yeah. so much. <laughs> no. I think it was very dangerous to inhale the It healing. was. That explains something else, doesn't it? I sure loved it, though. (laughs) I loved it more than I wish I I would give anything for a helium balloon right now. (laughs) What would you do with it? Inhale it. Inhale it. And the rest of the show you'd be doing like this. That's going to be my first question for Dr. Most in a few minutes. (laughs) What are the long-term effects Effects of of helium helium inhalation? inhalation. And depriving we, your body of oxygen. We return to the far-flung flung forecast already in progress. And get out your compasses, protractors, and the warmest clothing you have, because we're going to Gorham, New Hampshire today. Mm. Gorham, New Hampshire, population 2,698. 
actually has roots going back to 1770, but first settled and incorporated just after the turn of the 19th century in 1802. Now, we bring up Gorham, New Hampshire, because it is not far at all, only a few miles away from Mount Washington, Uh, in uh, New Hampshire, part of the White Mountain Range. Mount Washington has the highest peak of elevation in the northeastern United States at 6,288 feet. Is that right? And also may be one of the... I've never seen a wind chill like this before, but the the cold air, the absolute bitterness that we've had uh, here and then moving out to the northeast really hit home at the top of Mount Washington, recording a wind chill over the weekend of minus 108. Bomby. 108. And uh, eight below zero. 108 below zero. Yeah. Yes. And uh, they're now, saying. Why, why is that? Because it's super windy? It's or? super windy. There were 80 mile an hour winds at the elevation of 6,000 feet. You measure that bitter cold air in there, and well, you'll have to have Tom Skilling explain to you how all of that is calculated. But wind chill of 108 hmm. yesterday. It is warmer today, though. Yesterday, when we were checking all of this out, Gorham, New Hampshire had a temperature, an air temperature of 22 below. It's now 8 above in Gorham, New Hampshire today. I, I did not think that New Hampshire got that cold. Uh, it usually doesn't. And, you know, I've seen the phrase once in a generation cold wave that has uh, hit the U.S. I thought to myself, once in a generation? But then you're looking at these temperatures and I'm going, yeah, you're right. Uh, so, it, you know, it would be that. Hmm. So we had uh, bitter cold here on Friday, you know, zero and 16 below, 20 below, wind chill in some places, but nothing like air temperatures of 22 below and 108 oh, yeah. below. That'll get your attention all it right. It will indeed. Gorham, New Hampshire, our location for our far-flung forecast today. The one, the only, Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern Central DuPage Hospital, Dr. Most, my friend, welcome back. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Dean. How about yourself? I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, We've got many health issues to discuss here today, but uh, something that came up a few minutes ago, we were talking about this Chinese balloon, and somehow we get veered off into uh, the fun that you can have with helium balloons, inhaling the helium, and, you know, it changes your voice. Uh, number one, how does what's going on when that happens? And number two, how much damage did I do to myself constantly doing it as a kid? Well, it's it's kind of unusual when you when you bring in helium, it deprives your body of oxygen. So it's kind of like if you were holding your breath. So it really isn't dangerous, but it really isn't good. But you can have a lot of side effects from it. People get dizzy. Yeah. Some people even can lose consciousness. So certainly you want to be careful about that. Um, but really, it, it stops your body from getting oxygen. So you, you have stopped the, the breathing mechanism, essentially. So what, what is it that changes, uh, what changes your voice, though? Well, it's your vocal cords, right? So when oxygen and air passes through your vocal cords, you know, when you, when you inhale helium, it's the helium is less dense than air, and it changes the vocal cords and how they move. Oh. So, yeah 
kind of interesting when you when you look at the science behind it, but yeah. it's a result of you know the sound traveling through helium rather than air. And that rather and that's than why through... it goes away after a short period of time. Very interesting. And America's number one health issue uh, today as well, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We started doing this segment uh, three years ago when the COVID uh, uh, epidemic uh, hit, the pandemic uh, hit. And, uh, you know, we've pretty much stayed on top of this. Uh, I know our listeners are so grateful that you've provided such great information over the past three years. But... Uh, on May 11th of this year, the National Public Health Emergency is going to be uh, taken off. Uh, that's been in place for for these three years that we've been doing this segment now. Uh, what does that mean exactly? Are, does, is, is that signaling at all clear? <laughs> that's uh, that's the interesting part of it. Is what is the message that is actually going to be received by the public? From an administrative point of view and from a medical point of view, they're two totally different things, right? From a medical point of view, we still have patients who have COVID. We still have COVID out there. We still have new variants. We still have COVID patients in the hospital. But from the administrative point of view, it's very interesting and fascinating when you stop to look at the impact of this being removed. Vaccines that used to be free at some time, we'll start to be charged for. We still have many vaccines that the government has paid for. We still have doses of Paxlovid that the government has paid for. Those will all be free until those supplies are depleted. But from that point on, we will now potentially be charged for that. I think Medicare and Medicaid will continue to do free vaccines, but it'll be interesting to see what insurance companies do. Yeah, uh, and, you know, if we had a problem getting people to get their vaccines in the past when it was free. Uh, imagine what it's going to be like when you are, you know, charged for it, at least minimally charged for it with co-pays and things like that, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And also, when we look, everybody remembers, remember the long lines for vaccines. And boy, we didn't even have enough people to vaccinate. That's another thing. You know, we extended pharmacists who are great professionals and great you know, a lot of knowledge about a lot of things. And we expanded them to be able to give vaccinations from, you know, ages three up to 18. Right. It'll be interesting to see if the states continue that to make it, again, easy for people to get vaccinated, taking one less hurdle away. But that was part of the the uh, emergency proclamation was that pharmacists could now vaccinate uh, much younger than, than uh, over the age of 18. Yeah, I'm really curious if, you know, if that's going to stick because, uh, COVID or not, you know, getting routine vaccinations became so much easier by just going to a pharmacy and uh, getting it done. You were just really paying for the vaccination. You weren't paying for office visits and things like that, that I would suspect that a lot of healthcare organizations don't want to lose money on by, you know, continuing to let pharmacists do it when pharmacists can easily do a lot of the routine things that otherwise you'd have to make an appointment to go, you know, see a doctor, take up the time of the healthcare uh, professionals. When really, you know, you go to you go to Walgreens to buy some beef jerky, and you can get your uh, vaccines at the same time. Absolutely, from a convenience point of view, is one thing. These are highly educated individuals. Everybody has to know that the vast majority of pharmacists are doctors. They have PhDs in pharmacy. You know, so these are highly educated people. And 
And COVID probably, one thing it did is it probably raised the awareness of the professionalism of pharmacists. These are not people who just count out pills and hand them to you. They are highly educated individuals. So this has actually been good for them um, to show that they can play more of a part of the role of healthcare than what has been thought of them in the past. So um, we really appreciate everything the pharmacists do. I think the other thing that people understand, you know, we had a lot of traveling nurses. We had nurses traveling across the country here, going from where, you know, different hotspots. And each nurse is licensed in each individual state. Well, as of that date, your license goes back to the state that you were licensed in. Oh, wow. So, in other words, if I'm a nurse and I'm from... Uh, North Carolina, and I came up to, to Illinois to because that was where I really wanted to work at this time. When this uh, authorization goes away, that individual has to go back to North Carolina or get a license here in Illinois right. and be able to practice as a nurse. Seems like this would be a good time to reevaluate a lot of this because are you still seeing shortages of healthcare personnel? Uh, you know, in uh, in hospitals and, you know, places like that. I know it, it seems like since the pandemic, it's been more difficult to get in to see a doctor, not only, you know, because of the physical presence and you would do a, a telemedicine visit. It just seems like, like every other business, everybody's short-staffed. Is that still the case uh, with, uh, uh, you know, hospital settings, you know, medical office settings? And if so, doesn't it make more sense to kind of reevaluate who can do what so you can go to a pharmacist and, you know, get a lot of the things that you would have otherwise gotten done by going to a doctor visit? Absolutely. You know, people, if we go back to the beginning of COVID, we had many nurses who said, you know what, I know I was going to retire within these next couple of years with what's going on right now. I'm going to take my retirement early. And that happened, and we knew it was going to happen, and it did. The bad thing is the front of the pipeline can't be sped up anymore. It's not like, you know, a nurse quits or, you know, we lose 20% of nurses or 10% of nurses. We, we don't have the pipeline to fill those spots. So certainly we've had to look at how do we use other individuals to help, patient care techs, medical assistants. But certainly we're seeing a shortage in every portion of the field of medicine. So. Now, I understand, you know, licensing in states is very important. I'm, I'm fortunate I have a license in North Carolina. I have a license in Maryland. I have a license uh, here in Illinois. So I, I can move to those three states, but I can't go anywhere else. Mm. From a nursing point of view, I think we really need to look at making sure the standard is set at a level so that we can use nurses across different state lines. And I think Governor Pritzker, I think, is going to look at that from an Illinois point of view to make sure that we don't send good quality highly trained nurses out of Illinois just because of a licensing issue. Yeah, let's uh, get some calls in here, and I've got a couple of other topics that I want to get to. But uh, let's start with Jim at 312-981-7200. You're on with Dr. Kevin Most. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, doctor, I want to thank you for the comments about pharmacists. Having be, um, I'm a 44-year pharmacist, 45, <laughs> graduate from 1978 in pharmacy. Quick question, though. The uh, the uh, back in last September is when we started our bivalent number five dose. How fast is that effectiveness waning? And if uh, can you, as a doctor and me as a pharmacist, decide to give dose number six per, pursuant to a prescription from you? So, Jim, it's interesting. You know the way you ask the question too is 
we don't know a lot of this right now, right? Because what what's happened with COVID? We've kind of seen the surge drop down. So we're not seeing another big waves going, oh, wait a second. We've had a lot of people who have been unvaccinated who are now getting this. Also, as you know, the vaccine is preventing serious illness and hospitalization. It's not preventing you from getting uh, COVID. So we're really, I think, you know, right now, number six is not really, quote, unquote, approved. So we certainly are looking at saying, okay, look at, at least at the immunocompromised and the seniors. Are we going to need to give them another booster prior to the fall? As we creep closer to the fall, I think you're going to see the CDC and the FDA come out and say, you know what? We're going to wait until the fall, which could be concerning because, as you know, we've had that bump in the late summer instead of the fall seasonality that we see with influenza. So great questions, and thank you for your service. Uh, Like I said, pharmacists are a a huge partners for us, and uh, we can't say thank you enough for everything you do. Yeah, I would would 100% agree with that. Jim, thank you very much for your call. So bottom line on this, Kev, if uh, things go along as scheduled right now, if you uh, if you've been lagging getting all your vaccines, if you want to get it paid for, uh, do it before uh, May, right? When when the classification will change. Absolutely, and many people may have gotten a text over the past few days here from the Illinois Department of Public Health saying you are due for a booster. In other words, you may not have gotten that second booster. So a reminder from the state. Two things about that. One is they want to make sure we have protection as we're really going into this tail end of the influenza season. And two, more importantly, they want to make sure that you're going to be able to get that free vaccine before we blow through the, the dose that were right. paid for by the federal government, and now you're going to be charged. Let's take a break. We'll come back. More phone calls and texts for Dr. Kevin Most, 312-981-7200. Dr. Kevin Most with us to uh, talk all things health this morning at 312-981-7200 is the phone number and uh kept if you noticed on friday people were wearing red clothing buildings were lit up with uh, red uh, lights it was a national wear red day to commemorate the kickoff of heart awareness month uh and you know we talk about covid we talk about a lot of uh, diseases but still uh, heart disease affects one American. One American dies every 34 seconds from uh, heart ailments, correct? Being hit right on the head, and you know, I don't know if people notice that people are wearing red, but it, it is a very good reminder for us, so appreciate you bringing it up. And there was two things about Friday. It was not only National Wear Red Day, but it was also for a focus on women's health as well. Um, and if you think about it, we have, we've been doing this for, like you said, three years now, every Sunday, and we've been talking COVID, 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 and yet we have to understand that other things are going on. The opioid crisis is still out there. Heart disease is still out there. Cancer is still going. So anytime we can take an opportunity to visually just remind somebody of an illness, so anybody who saw some, someone wearing red, you know, if you knew what it was for, it just is a kind of reminder of this is a disease that we control a lot of it. Certainly some is genetics, but a lot of it is controlled by our lifestyle choices. And really, if you want to make an impact in your own health and the health of those around you, understand how important heart disease is. You know, like Dean said, you know, American every 34 seconds dies. 700,000 deaths a year from heart disease, an illness that 
or condition, medical condition that we have a lot of control over. So uh, thanks for that reminder, Dean, and hopefully everybody just kind of thinks about that and what they can do for their own health to decrease their chance of heart disease. Yeah, well, we, you know, just recently had uh, the death of Lisa Marie Presley, although the official cause of death has not been announced yet. It is suspected that uh, that was cardiac-related. There's a huge history of uh, heart trouble in the Presley family. Uh, Singer Irene Cara died recently, uh, only 63 years old, and it was just announced the other day that uh, her death was caused uh, was heart related, but it was high blood pressure, uh, which caused the uh, the the heart failure. Uh, things that probably a lot of us are walking around with, and you know maybe we know and maybe we don't, uh, or we know and we don't really pay very much attention to it. But something as uh, you know ha- having high blood pressure can cause a lot of different things, right? <laughs> you hit it right on the head and people may not understand it high blood pressure is the leading cause of heart attack and stroke in the united states very simple sentence that we say over and over and over again but let me tell you it also can damage your eyes it can damage your kidneys it damages your heart you'd be surprised if i said one in three adults has high blood pressure in this country and only about one half of them have it under control now, I can't look at you and say, oh, you know, I'm a doctor. I can look at you and try to make a diagnosis. I can't look at you and say you have high blood pressure. I have to measure that to see because there's no really outward signs of it. But certainly individuals who don't go to the doctor, please get a blood pressure cuff from the Walgreens or order one from Amazon. Understand what the numbers are and get your blood pressure treated. It's good for your heart health. It's good for your eyes. It's good for your kidneys. And it really will extend your life if you can keep your blood pressure under control. Are there red flags uh, that people should know that they may uh, be a candidate for high blood pressure? Well, actually, there are. But by that time, it is usually really high. In other words, you know, we really would love to keep people's blood pressure you know, below 140 over 90. And really, we're even trying to be much more aggressive than that now. But you can walk around and be totally asymptomatic with a blood pressure of 170 over 100. Mm. Now, certainly some people are going to get pounding headaches and know when their blood pressure, quote, unquote, my blood pressure is up. But by that time, it's hitting a point where you're symptomatic, where most people will have high blood pressure and be totally asymptomatic, and that the damage that is being done is being done at the microvascular, the smallest portions of the of the blood vessels that we have, which unfortunately are in our kidneys and our eyes and our heart. People want to get more info on that. What's the best way to do it? You know, American Heart Association is great. Not only does it go about uh, go across about educating you about the, um, the what to look for, but also will tell you about risk factors. You know, and saying here are the things. I mean, think about this: we can control high blood pressure with exercise, diet, decreasing sodium intake, and medications if we need. High cholesterol, we certainly can do that with diet and with medication. Smoking, everybody knows not to smoke. Diabetics, type 1 diabetics where you need insulin, okay, we're going to have to deal with that. That's an illness. Type 2 diabetes, which is often due to being overweight and inactive, we can do something about that. Obesity, physical activity, unhealthy diet, think about that. A lot of those that I just mentioned right there, 
on lifestyle changes that we can make personally to increase our heart health. Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital. Have a great Sunday, Kev. Thank you so much. You got a deal. We'll talk soon. So, Andy, is the pre-Super Bowl uh, madness beginning already? Yeah, it's it hasn't seemed like to be as uh, as hyped as I remember several others. Um I don't I don't know why. Um there's a lot of good things about this matchup too. Uh the Travis Kelsey and his brother uh Jason Kelsey are playing each other first time the two brothers were meeting each other in the in the Super Bowl. Uh two young quarterbacks, African American both uh, as well, which is uh, has never been done before. Uh so it's it's a great little matchup, but I haven't heard too much about of, it. Yeah. A lot of hoopla. Yeah, I think the uh, the the way that the NFL is doing their Pro Bowl games this year uh, is kind of taken away from it a little bit. They've had uh, uh, there was little or no interest in the Pro Bowl. It was one of the worst All Star games uh, to to be played because it was played after the season, and it was a full a full schedule to tackle football game. I mean, you you can get hurt. Yeah. Uh, so they've done a lot of different things. They had skills challenges over the weekend in Las Vegas. They're having a flag football game today. And I think that uh, may have taken a little bit away from it because the Manning brothers were uh, were coaching each of the teams. So, Shawnee, who are you predicting will uh, be the winner next week? I say go Bears. <laughs> See, I thought your response was going to be, yeah, it's yeah, going to be fine. a good game. Yeah. Well, it will be a good game. Yeah. I think it's fine. That's great, yeah. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still researching mine, so I, I don't think I'm ready to divulge yet. Yeah, and I'm the only honest one here saying I could care less. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> or the commercials this year, seven million, something like that. Yeah, I don't even care seconds. about the commercials either because they release all the commercials yeah. before the Super Bowl now. You see them, you can get them on YouTube and all that stuff too. Yeah, it's not it's not a big surprise when to see it all. I'm looking forward to the halftime show. Yeah, some of the entertainment, but uh, I got to say, I'm looking forward to that and Shawnee's annual Super Bowl party that he always has. <laughs> that I've yet to be invited to. It's a lot of fun. You yeah. wouldn't think it's a that lot of fun. one man would be able to do so many things with a bag of bugles. But about it, that's when a song was a song, right, Shawnee? You bet. None of this crazy rock and roll. Drug crazed hippies with your rock and roll music. Rock and roll. This would be the singer by. Do you know who this is, Shawnee? You are quite a music well, head. Do you know who this it was? Is? I think the first Grammy winner. That's of correct. A popular song. That's yeah. correct. The very first a Grammy award winning record of the year. Volare nel blu dipinto di blu. Ooh, listen to you. And the singer's name. Domenico Modugno. Domenico Modugno. He was a very popular Italian singer. Mm-hmm. And uh, with everything that was going on in music back in 1959, he was the one. Th- this song was the very first Grammy Award winning record of the year. Uh, not Elvis, not a lot of the rock and roll that was going on. You know, there was a lot of controversy, of course, regarding uh, Elvis Presley when he first started out. Uh, so you know they went they went with this one. There you go. I think Dean Martin did a version of this too, didn't he? Oh, a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people have done Volari. Mm-hmm. I did a version. <laughs> I can't wait to hear yeah, it. Back in 1964, I think. Yeah. <laughs> in on your pretend radio station. Yeah, Vicky Carr it and stayed. I did it. We did a duet. <laughs> <laughs> or was it Mitzi Gaynor? Mitzi Gaynor. <laughs> Might have been. 
Skinnerkirt. <laughs> so long ago. I can't Dusty remember. Springfield. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. So the big Grammy Awards are tonight. Are you going to be glued to it, Schwanny, like, like I am? I might what? watch. I don't have to get up early tomorrow morning. And I just might sit myself down wow. in front of the Dumont TV set and uh, see if the uh, the uh, vertical hold will work, right? And uh, Adju- adjust the adjust the rabbit adjust ears, the rabbit ears, right? And see if I can uh, tune in. Yeah. Hmm. I, well, I'd be very curious to hear your take on it all <laughs> when it's done. It provided the TV works. I think you'll. I I have to say I enjoy the Grammy Awards. I know you do. Now there's I got I will also admit that half of the night that I'm watching this, I will go. I have no idea who that person is. I have. Oh, no, and you make fun of me because I don't know who half the people are. Well, you don't know who any of the people are. <laughs> <laughs> I know who half of them are at least. Uh, and, and then I spend the rest of the night. <laughs> any of them. The rest of the night. <laughs> going uh that's not music what a, oh what's that garbage i become my dad when the beatles came out when the beatles were on ed sullivan show i become my dad that's not music <laughs> that's, that's not music that's noise that's not music boy i heard that in my house i heard it in my friend's house yep oh we all did yeah. I think, yeah but i enjoy a lot of the the new artists i actually really enjoy their music uh performing tonight will be harry styles uh, he's I, I really like his music a lot. He he did uh, like seven nights at the United Center uh, and sold the joint out uh, this past year. Lizzo is going to perform tonight. Lou Combs, very popular country singer. Uh, Mary J. Blige is always fantastic. Sam Smith with Kim Petras. They have a new song uh, that's out on the charts right now. Steve Lacey. Shwani, here's uh, here's a couple of names you know. Stevie Wonder. Oh, yeah. Smokey Robinson. Oh, yeah. Chris Stapleton. Yep. Country singer Chris mm-hmm. Stapleton. They're all going to Stevie perform. Wonder's performing tonight? Stevie, Smokey. Now I Chris, am tuning in. Chris Stapleton. Uh, the uh, artist uh, who's known as Bad Bunny. He's <laughs> <laughs> a very popular Latin artist. <laughs> but I just, just call me Bunny Rabbit I afterward. I like now. his name. That was Shawnee's nickname when he used to work for the Playboy Club back in the day. Bad bunny. That is one bad bunny over there. Yes, very bad. Wow. Uh, Brandy Carlisle. Fantastic uh, country singer. She's going to perform tonight. And DJ Khaled with uh, Jay-Z. Jay-Z very rarely performs at these things. John Legend, Lil Wayne, Rick Ross. John Legend, too? Friday, John Legend. Excellent. And there is going to be a 50th anniversary salute to hip-hop. Wait a minute. 50th anniversary? That's correct. Really? Yeah, I was surprised, too. But it was was around before, you know, before it it came to pop, you know, the mainstream. Yeah, kind of functioning... Uh, in the underground type. Of well, yeah. I mean, uh, yes, I, I guess you can mm-hmm. say, say that. So LL Cool J and some of the uh, biggest names in hip-hop, past and present, will be uh, performing. What about the Sugar Hill Gang? I, I would hope the Sugar Hill Gang would yeah. be part of this because that really they were the first ones to cross over into yep. pop music yep. with, uh, what was their song? Say hip, hop. Yeah, Rapper's Delight. Right, right. Yeah. Rapper's Delight. Yeah. 
I remember whatever station I was on when that song came out. I want to say it was the WFYR. You remember that, Shawnee, don't uh, you? Yes, I do. The fire radio days? Yes, I do. And the program director burst into the studio one night while I was doing my show. <laughs> Just one night? Woke me up. <laughs> Just one night? Burst in with this, uh, what looked like a 33 and a third RPM records. Uh, kids ask Boy, your, those were the days. Ask your parents what 33. Boy, those were the days. Yeah, Do you remember those techniques, turntables with the yeah. S-shaped arms on yes. them? Boy, they were beautiful. Right, right. And he comes in and he goes, I have this record that I want. I would stop what you're doing right now, whatever. When this record ends, play this one. <laughs> you know, and we're playing, uh, what, Barry Manilow. Right. Neil Diamond. Yeah. Like that. And then he gives me this record to put on. And it's like, boom, do hip, hop, hippie to the hippie. The hip, hip, hop, <laughs> don't stop the rock. Right. That's <laughs> like, wow. And the phone lines blew up. <laughs> Not all the Barry Manilow fans were they so happy with the... Weren't too pleased with The that. introduction of the Sugar Hill Gang. Did you say now, what you hear is not a test? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that's going to be that 50th anniversary tribute. Going to be, uh, that's going to be a very interesting part of the whole thing tonight. 50 years. I would have said 30, not 50. Well, 30 is only I know, yes. That's, right? I know. That's just the blink of an eye. I became aware of it. You know, music entrepreneur that I, you know, was a swinging DJ back in the day, <laughs> like the mid seventies. I think I I was first aware of of you know the genre. But what was Sugar Sugar Hill Gang? Must have been like, like late seventies. Yeah, I was gonna right? say seventy eight, seventy nine ish, maybe. Yeah. Me with my swinging disco shirt. I on. do not rec- I do not recall that. Nineteen seventy nine. The rappers delight. I do not recall that. You don't recall the song? No, I don't. Not in 1979. Well, we'll get... <laughs> maybe we can... Maybe we can that seemed to stun you. <laughs> I'm shocked. Look, I'm still shocked that you're going to watch the Grammys. I, I haven't gotten past that yet. <laughs> Do you know that ABBA is nominated for Record of the Year this year? No, that, that group I remember... I played ABBA in my DJ days, yeah. but they're not—they're nominated along with Adele and Beyonce, and like you know some of the biggest names in music today. A good old ABBA is nominated for Record of the Year. So we'll talk more. We'll talk more about uh, the Grammy Awards, and we'll have some fun Grammy. Tri- oh, here, here's the list of who's going to be in the 50th anniversary uh, of hip hop thing tonight. Uh, it's going to be uh, Busta Rhymes. The room goes silent. Yes. <laughs> Is 31 Flavors involved with this, too? D- uh, D- La Soul. Oh, yeah. DJ Jazzy Jeff. Missy Elliott. Uh, Grand Grandmaster Flash. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Queen Latifah. Uh, Shwani, did you like salt or pepper better? <laughs> the salt of pepper? Salt and pepper will be performing in, as part of it. Run DMC. That's that's super old school. Oh yeah. I do not see the uh, rappers delight dudes though. Uh, that's too bad. So, anywho, 
As always with the uh, Grammy Awards, I watch all the award shows so you don't have to. <laughs> and uh, I'll have all the coverage on that tomorrow on the WGN-TV Morning News. Can I give my report, too? And as much as Bob Surratt can stand tomorrow morning. <laughs> I'll give my report next week. I can't wait. I'm I'm shocked that you're going to watch. Are you really? Yes. <laughs> I know you love music. You love all genres of music. I do. Uh, but um, I just thought that I, I thought you would uh, going to take a pass on the Grammy Awards. No, I'm really. I'm seriously. I'm thinking about a lot. It. Of, I, a lot of people are like. I, I mean, they react. I'm half joking about the. Uh, I don't know who they are, and that's not music. <laughs> that's annoying because <laughs> a lot of people feel that way about today's music. But Adele is fantastic. Yes. Beyonce is fantastic. There yes. are a lot of artists. A lot of them I, I don't get or understand, but a lot of them are pretty spectacular. No Lady Gaga tonight? No no Gaga. Okay. Nope. Madonna's supposed to present them. Madonna? Okay. A presenter? She's going to be presenting an award probably with the boa constrictor. <laughs> <laughs> Find her. So, anywho, we'll, uh, we'll talk more about that later on. Okay. Uh, when we come back from the break, uh, if you like chocolate, oh boy, do you have to hear about this event that is going to be coming up in a minute here. There may be no more chocolate than you would find at Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory than will be at the annual benefit, a world of chocolate that is put on by the AIDS Foundation of Chicago. And our pal, uh, John Peller, President and CEO of the AIDS Foundation, uh, joins us for one of the sweetest events of the year in Chicago. It's coming up in a couple of weeks. John, good morning. Nice to have you on with us. Hey, good morning, Dean. Thank you for that great introduction. Uh, the music to my ears. So, yeah. yeah, very excited for World of Chocolate on February 17th. And it's like being a kid in Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory coming to this world of chocolate event because you just stroll around and uh, taste different uh, items that have been made with chocolate both sweet and savory uh, from some of the best chefs in chicago explain what world of chocolate is uh, and how it uh, relates to aids foundation world of chocolate is a event that we've been putting on for many years at aids foundation chicago it is back after a three-year hiatus. It's going to be at Union Station on Friday, February 17th. And we're going to have uh, over 20 chocolatiers uh, who are going to be sampling their wares uh, and, of course, cocktails. Uh, and I'm just, I'm, I'm fascinated by this. CH Distillery is uh, the manufacturer of Malort. I'm sure that you've been, you know, tasting Malort lately. They're going to have a dark chocolate Malort Old Fashioned, really? uh, which I don't know how that is going to taste, but I'm sure they're going to make it taste delicious, and I'm going to be first in line to try it. Yeah, I was going to say, all you, all you had to say was Malort to turn me off of it, but uh, if it's incorporated with some chocolate, you know, and probably some other ingredients, I, I'm curious to, to see what that might be like as well. Absolutely. We'll also have uh, Chicago staples like uh, Eli's Cheesecake, the Ritz-Carlton, which always does you know, just an amazing, beautiful display. Um, uh, Noir de Ben, um, based in Evanston, uh, and the Ritz-Carlton, and so many more. So yeah. lots of delicious uh, 
chocolate to sample. Yeah, it's it's a really fun event. I mean, and it's not just can- candy. It's not just sweet. Uh, you know, as, as you can hear from what John is describing, you know, the cocktails, but also, uh, you know, savory items. And you'll be able to, they, they set up tasting stations. It's going to be at Union Station this year, which is uh, a really unique venue for something like this. Uh, they set up tasting stations and you go around with your with your friends and uh, taste the different uh, samples of uh, you know items that have been made with uh, incorporating chocolate somehow into it and uh, at the same time raising money for the AIDS Foundation of Chicago uh, which is uh, you know has has been for for decades been working to help people who are living with HIV and AIDS well, what's the the status of this now I know it became very difficult during the pandemic are things changing for uh, aids foundation at all now yeah so um obviously there were tremendous challenges during the pandemic in in helping people engage in medical care and and stay in care um but you know over the past uh five or six years we've seen some really important and sustained successes in reducing new HIV cases in Chicago. And in fact, they're down by about 25% overall um, over about the past five or six years. So really some, some tremendous successes there. Um, of course, there are some, some uh, tough challenges with racial disparities. We're seeing cases not go down as fast among uh, Black and Latin A Chicagoans compared to their white counterparts. And that's why it's so important to, for uh, folks to be able to receive the, some of the resources that we provide, uh, like housing, um, emergency housing assistance to help uh, folks who are having trouble paying their rent uh, stay housed, or emergency utilities. We're able to help folks pay uh, their electric or light bill, um, which is, as we all know, have just been going through the roof lately. So really critical supports to uh, to help uh, people living with HIV uh, access medications, mental health, substance use treatment, and supports like housing so that they can live successful lives. Yeah, and that's why events like uh, uh, the AIDS Run and Walk every year and so many uh, fundraising events that you have during the year and now World of Chocolate are so important because it helps to raise the money to uh, fulfill uh, the the mission of the AIDS Foundation uh, to help others who are living with HIV. Now, the World of Chocolate event is going to be uh, Friday, February 17th, a week from this coming Friday, 6 to 10 p.m., at Union Station in Chicago, a magnificent building, 225 South uh, Canal Street. People want uh, to get more information or to purchase tickets. John, what's the best way to do that? They can go to AIDSChicago.org and click on events. Uh, and again, it's AIDSChicago.org. Okay. Can't wait to see you then. Have a great day, and uh, we'll see you at the World of Chocolate on February 17th. John Peller, President and CEO of the AIDS Foundation of Chicago. Thanks, John. Thanks, Dean. Bye-bye. I do not think that it is any sort of exaggeration to call Billy Holiday one of the greatest vocalists of all time. We lost her uh, too soon, but her music lives on through recordings like what we're listening to right now, uh, but also through motion pictures that have been made and stage productions that uh, salute the music of Billie Holiday, and that includes the uh, one of the latest, Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill, 
which is uh, now at the Mercury Theater in Chicago on uh, North Southport uh, in Chicago. And starring as Billie Holiday in the show is Alexis J. Roston. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you, Dean. I'm glad to be here. You know what? You are one of the first people. We, we used to do live performances on this segment every week we, uh, before the pandemic. Uh. And then everything shut down, and uh, you know we haven't done it. So to even have a live guest in studio with us is something. So you're you're kicking it all off here, very nice, awesome, uh, and, I like that. And with uh, you know such great such a great uh, subject matter, this is not the first time that you performed the show, right? I mean, you've done it quite a few times, right? Absolutely. This is my sixth production of Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill. Three times in Chicago, once in uh, Michigan, once in St. Louis, and once in Milwaukee. Yeah. What do you think the attraction is to the music of Billie Holiday all these years later? Billie just defied the odds, and she sounded great doing it. So uh, she had a, a mastery of back phrasing, right? And it sounds so uh, wonderful the way she does it. <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't even know that I have it perfected like she had it. But she had this thing where she would back phrase and it made you feel the music some kind of way even more. Now, what does that mean when you're saying back phrasing? Like what? she didn't always sing right on the beat. She would carry the lyrics further. She'd trail off, yeah. you know, and um, it was her own style. Nobody else was doing that. And so she became a master of it. Yeah. Yeah. That so many artists now uh, clearly have been inspired by her. Absolutely. And trying to find their niche. You yeah. know, she found it. And uh, like Andrew Day, you know, she's another one. Right. Sounds like Billy to me. Yeah. 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 Well, Reincarnated. <laughs> on, on, on this day, you know, the Grammy Awards uh, are tonight. Uh, you know the, where the music industry celebrates its very best. Uh, when you when you listen to a lot of today's music, yeah. you hear influences of l- lots of the the masters from back in the day. But I hear Billie Holiday and lots of uh, performers that have clearly been uh, influenced by her over the years as well. Absolutely. Um, Talk to me uh, when you first became aware of uh, Billie Holiday. I I did in college, so I took a lot of music classes in college and learned about her. And then Diana Ross's version of the Billie Holiday story, Lady Sings the Blues, came out with Billie Dee Williams. Mm -hmm. And I just became fascinated and couldn't learn enough uh, about uh, Billie Holiday. What was it like for you? I grew up listening to her. My dad played um, the trumpet in the Air Force, and uh, he was very much influenced by jazz and all R&B and gospel. So when I was growing up as a little kid, that is what we listened to in my house every weekend. When uh, Saturday morning hit, we were listening to all of the greats, you know, and Billy was right in the number. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever think that you would, go? you know, one day go on to perform Billie Holiday? I mean, from from those beginnings as being a child listening to your dad playing the records. Not a clue. And uh, so much so that when I was asked just to audition for the role by my friend Rob Lindley, I said, Rob, what are we doing? I I sound nothing like her, you know. And uh, he said, no, 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 no. I I think you can do this. And I went and auditioned and uh, I did my best. And I got the call, and I was like, oh, 
you mean oh, oh. <laughs> okay yeah. uh which of course terrified me but i sat uh with her music for about two weeks just me and billy and i by the time those two weeks was up i had something i had something that i thought i could present to the you world started to focus in on it uh, a little bit yeah she had a troubled life uh, also a very very difficult life that probably also influenced her music her pain personal pain that she was going through uh you must have studied all of that to just kind of bring it into your into your world as you perform of what somebody who was going through such an uh, internal struggle yeah. uh, was going through while she was performing at the same time. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, just a tumultuous past from being raped at 10 to um, uh, losing her cabaret card. Um, there's just no uh from one one thing to the next men troubles family troubles uh you find out uh she was introduced to prostitution at a really early age you know she she dealt with it though it's so funny when i think about billy i i know we have to touch those subjects but she lived life so out loud and unapologetic to me um she didn't take those things as being her you know, I and even though we hear the pain through her music, singing was what she wanted. She yeah. was so happy right. singing, yeah. you know. And so that that is also something that I focus on in this show is to make sure, even though we're going to tell the whole thing, that you bring the joy right. that she felt while she was singing. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, not only Billie Holiday, but I think all of us are the products of e- – all of our life experiences, no matter what we go through in life, it adds to the the person that we become. Absolutely. And in in Billy's case, it was all of the things that you mentioned. It was uh, traveling around in a tour bus and seeing uh, human beings being lynched, and as the the song "Strange Fruit" uh, describes. Uh, the, the men hanging from uh, trees who, were, who had just been lynched and seeing the like blatant blatant horrible racism uh, and also dealing with drugs uh, through the years all these things that she dealt with internalized uh, that uh, somehow was able to still manifest this incredible music this volume of music way too short but uh, I, I've often thought I wonder what Billie Holiday would have been like if she had lived to be 80 years old, 90 oh. years old. You know, what kind of performer, uh, you know, she would have been, uh, you know, de- definitely left us too young. Absolutely. And left that mark on us. But I, I wonder what a, an 80-year-old Billie Holiday would have been like if she had still been out there. You and me both, Dean. Right? Honestly. Oh, God. I can't even imagine. Just a, a fun fact. Billie was 44 when she passed away. And I had the realization that I have now surpassed her oh, in wow. years. Wow. And uh, yeah, Saturday is my birthday, matter oh. of fact. I'll be 46. Happy birthday. Thank you. Happy birthday. And, and something about that, when I hit 45, it, it made a major impact on me. Um, so it just felt more important to me 
to do this show. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Channeling her even more. Mm-hmm. Let me uh, take a break. We'll come back and talk some more. And uh, sh- uh, we're going to get a live performance. Uh, Alexis J. Roston is Billie Holiday in Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill at the uh, Mercury Theater, the Venus uh, Cabaret at the Mercury Theater. I'll tell you more about all of that when we come right back. It's 1046. All right, we are back. Our weekend theater segment uh, this week sponsored by Chicago Shakespeare's Wuthering Heights uh, and also Lyric Opera's Hansel and Gretel. Uh, we are talking with the star of Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill, Alexis J. Roston, plays Billie Holiday in the show. Uh, Alexis, tell, just tell us a little about your past. You are one of Chicago's very own, right? I am. Born and raised on the city's south side in the Chatham area. I went to school, um, high school at Kenwood Academy in Hyde Park and then I went on to Howard University in Washington DC. Yeah. Did you were, were you singing when you were uh, a youngster? Were you always performing? It, yeah. Always. My mom says as soon as the doctor smacked me on the butt and pronounced me a girl, <laughs> I was already wailing. You were singing a song. That's what she said. Right from the start. <laughs> yeah. Did you perform in school productions, church productions? All of it. All of it. All of it. Yeah. Um a very a very wonderful memory I have is my mom put me in the talent show at her school she taught at percy julian high school for a really long time and i sung a song and and i just remember people throwing money at me wow (laughs) i know nothing wrong with that and i couldn't have been more than like eight or nine but it was such a wonderful time i was like oh okay and i think that just sparked something in me and my mom always took me to theater always so i saw everything and i was sitting at a show called mama i want to sing and there was a young lady up there she looked fairly fairly young she probably was really grown but uh she looked young and she was african-american and i was like enamored like oh maybe i can do this too wow yeah yeah and that's yeah that that got the ball rolling my mom put me in any and everything that was related wow. to this industry. Isn't that great? Yeah. Isn't that great to, to have such uh, supportive parents to uh, realize what you loved and the best, what you were destined to do? Yeah, never wavering. Never yeah. one time did my mom ever say, no, you can't do that. She did nothing but foster it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh-huh. That's what that's what you need to do. So tell me about Emerson's Bar and uh, Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill. What's the premise? Where are we? Uh, explain what's going on on the show. We're in Philly in 1959. This is uh, about four months before Billy actually passed. And uh, it's a concert in a cabaret space. And you take this ride with Billy that she doesn't even know she's getting ready to go on. Um, Philly has been the place that she despised the most because that's where she lost her cabaret card. And she returns to a familiar place, Emerson's Bar and Grill, where she has always felt received and welcomed. And uh, we, we, we sing some songs and Billy starts sharing more than she probably would have in any other setting. And um, you learn a lot about who she is and how she became who she who she was. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. It's got to be um, for for the audience that knows the whole story has to be very interesting to see. You know, from where she came to where she is now, and knowing what's about to happen in a few months. 
uh, with her that it uh, you know provides just a you you almost create your own storyline in your head of yeah. what what this uh, lovely and beautiful yet tragic uh, story is at the same time right absolutely and it is it is tragic it is tragic but i try to make sure i bring you as much joy through the, the through the trauma yeah. as possible yeah. yeah i can imagine that it must be fun to perform this at the uh the new venus uh, cabaret theater at uh, the mercury theater uh, because it's a it's a space within a space, right? It is. I've been on the Mercury main stage as well. Did Sister Act with them last year, and uh, they brought me back. And this cabaret space is to me ideal for a show such as this. Um, it's it's a uh, we made it look hopefully like a bar. <laughs> and um, we want people to come in and feel like they're you know getting a little concert. And, and a story and yeah. some history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a very much theater, okay. uh, but uh, really a concert and a really intimate one that'll leave you thinking. I think after you walk out of there, that's always the plan. Yeah, yeah. You used fun, Dean. I don't know if fun would be the word I use. I think I'm honored, though. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to perform for us today? I'm so happy that we have a live performance back on the show. <laughs> Today. It's been do such a long time. I'm hoping we can remember how to do this. <laughs> I think we can. Okay. If not, I'm going to completely blame it on my producer, Jack. <laughs> but um, uh, I'm sorry. What are you going to do? Moonlight. Moonlight. Oh, yeah. that's one of my favorites. Uh, it is uh, Alexis J. Roston, Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill that's running uh, right now through March the 26th. Take it away. What a little moonlight can do ooh, ooh, ooh. What a little moonlight can do to you You're in love Your heart's a flooding all day long You only start up cause your poor tongue Just will not utter the words I love you ooh, ooh, ooh. And what a little moonlight can do Wait a while Till a little moonbeam comes peeping through You get so You can't resist him And now you say When you have kissed him is What a little moonlight can do What a little moonlight can do Ooh, ooh, ooh What a little moonlight can do to you You're in love Your heart's a bloodin' all day long You only stutter cause your poor tongue Just will not utter the words I love you what a little moonlight can do Wait a while Till a little moonbeam comes Beeping through You get so You can't resist him And all you say 
when you have kissed a Missouri. What a little moonlight can do. That was so fantastic. Thank you. So great. Oh, my gosh. Even on our text line here, I noticed it going crazy. Uh, Dean, I'm loving your guest. She sings with such joy. <laughs> Bring on the moonlight, it says here. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. That's really nice. I love that. Uh, I love how you, uh, you know, there. I feel like I'm listening to Billie Holiday sing. I mean, you've got the phrasing down. But you bring, there, there is some of yourself uh, in there as well. A lot of myself. How do you walk that line of, you know, staying true to yourself as an artist, yet you want to represent what the real Billy sounded like when, when she sang? You know what, Dean? I honestly feel like Billy and I are kindred spirits. So because that's what I believe, I believe that I think in a way that she might think. Hmm. So my choices in my mind, based off my research, are her choices. Mm. So when you come see Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill, you are seeing me, but as far as I'm concerned, my choices are Billy's choices. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. And um, people come for this hour and a half and they believe that I'm Billy Holiday. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's got to be uh, interesting. Uh, you know, for an artist who wants to present themselves, you know, this is this is me. This is Alexis. This is my uh, art. Uh, yet you have to stay true to what Billy sounded like. And that when you were talking about that back phrasing, is that what you called it? Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. I mean, I can really hear it now that you've explained it to me uh, in uh, how you, how you phrase some of those songs and how you you just wait a little bit before you move off the beat. Yeah, uh, a little bit. That's uh, it's it's interesting to learn that. Yeah, yeah, really fun. That, <laughs> and uh, costuming. I mean, you must you must go back right for to to put it into the right mood. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I've had some great Billy dresses over the years. Um, <laughs> Billy <and so> dresses. <laughs> <laughs> I really feel like this this newest dress. Uh, I, I said, "Oh, I look like a black Marilyn Monroe," <laughs> but she was foxy so i'll take that billy was so elegant and gorgeous and i really wanted to capture like this diamond in the rough kind of deal right so she was glamorous but she's singing at what we would consider at this point in her career a dive bar you know yeah and so uh that plays on the senses of the people here you have this Amazon and jazz music, you know, and she's singing here of all places, right. you know, but it was it was real. It was the account of Laney Robertson's um, partner that brought this whole story to life. Right. You know, this is based on a, a real circumstance. Right. Yeah. So uh-huh. uh, Laney's partner was at the Emerson's Bar and Grill and saw this performance of Billy's. And went home and told Laney about it. And Laney said, I just, I have to figure out a way. Got to do a show on yeah. this. We, we have to bring this to life. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it is uh, running through March the 26th, uh, for right now, anyway. It's at the Mercury Theater uh, Venus Cabaret, 3745 North Southport in Chicago. If you want to get some tickets, go to mercurytheaterchicago.com. 
uh, Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill. Uh, can't wait to see the rest of the show. i got to get over there to check it out. Thank you so much for coming in this morning. Thank you, Dean, for having me. Real pleasure to meet you. Alexis J. Roston. And uh, we will get an update of news coming up next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. When was the last time that you went to the auto show? Um, let's see. 2018. Before the pandemic. Yes. Andy? You know, I don't remember the last time I was there. It's been a while. I I have to go along with you on that. I mean, just just for fun to go like to go to the well, auto show. Remember, we used to do broadcasts right. from there, uh, and you know, so we were there all the time back when I. This is like when I first started here at WGN. Uh, we we would uh, you know set up at one of the. I, we I think most often we were at the Chevy. Yeah, it was Chevy display display, mm-hmm. and uh, we'd be out there, and you know, people would come out. We should do that now. That would, wouldn't that be fun? We'll set up a booth by the guy that cleans your glasses. I would there. love that. Yeah. That was my favorite thing. That, that that or by the fudge counter. Schwani, you were reading my mind. <laughs> and that's not a good thing for you, No, by the it way. isn't. That's not a good thing for no, you. I have not been inhaling helium. Those are. Did you hear what Dr. Kevin Most said about that? Yes, I. And what did I tell you? Deprives you of oxygen. You are the science officer on the show. <laughs> There's no question. <laughs> Which tells you how lacking in science we are. If that's the case, I would. Um, now that I know it won't kill me. <laughs> you're gonna. You're gonna go home and do it. I was always told that if, if I did that, like my brain would melt or something. So. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home and find You're me You're going to freeze. I'm going to find me a helium balloon. <laughs> there must be some helium balloons around the station somewhere. I haven't seen any people, for a while. People often get those uh, balloons in the mylar. Oh, yeah. Uh, balloons, and those last forever, unless you're uh, Chinese and floating it over <laughs> the United States. <laughs> what, do we know? Was that a mylar balloon that they were I floating? have no idea. <laughs> I like to think it was a big mylar balloon that said, get well soon on it. <laughs> <laughs> balloon <laughs> oh somebody texted in uh Shwani, and uh it's a story that uh, you covered uh a while back uh the names of the snow plows oh the, uh yeah we had it uh friday actually well be- because they narrowed the, did they decide on the names or they yes. just narrowed it down now? no no they've uh, they've definitely decided on the names i can look that up for you here. yeah well somebody uh somebody texted in because we, we were talking about it and I may have been a little bit negative about the whole naming the snowplow. Why does thing. that not surprise me? I may have said, I think it's the stupidest thing that's ever uh, happened before. That all the other problems in city uh, were solved, and this is all they had to worry about was naming the snowplows. I may have said you know, something like that. Yeah. You, okay. You want the names? Here they are. The seven top vote-getting names for the Chicago Snowplow and Salt Fleet. So wait, these are the ones where what, what they're what going to put the names on the snowplows? Chicago on? residents got to vote on 50 names in January. Over 80,000 were cast. Yeah. Only six trucks to be named, but two of the names tied, so the city added a seventh. Okay. So these will be the seven names featured on snowplows. Oh, this is exciting. Mrs. O'Leary's Plow. Stupid. That was number one. Stupid. How about Stupid. the Plow? Stupid. <laughs> All right. Andy, should I continue? Yes, yes you should. Right. I like the yeah. commentary. Yeah, Salter Payton. Okay, I like that one. 
That's okay. Sears Plower. Sleet Home, Chicago. That's not bad. Holy Plow. That's that's okay. I like that one. And the final one? Still stupid, though. The final one? (laughs) Jean-Baptiste Dean Richards' Pont du Shovel. I like the shovel part. Uh No, the Dean Richards really wasn't in there. I believe we should have a street named for you, though. Maybe we should name a snowplow for you. No. I believe it's more important no. to have the snowplow actually come down a side street once in a while. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And yes. Good point. Yes. I don't really... I, is anyone going to care what the name of the snowplow is? No, just plow. Yeah. Just bring it down my side street. <laughs> Maybe that's one which you could Just plow, baby. Just plow. <laughs> well, we can figure out some stupid things to do, with it, right? That should have come up in the mayoral debate that uh, took place this past week. <laughs> All the journalists asking questions don't don't even ask them. What's your what's your what name are you partial to for the snowplows? <laughs> no, I'd like to I'd like to see them answer that question. <laughs> Now, I, now the next question I have is, since all of these kind of conjure up, uh, you know, an image in your mind, are they going to put the image along with just the name of the snowplow? For instance, Salter Payton or Sears Plow, are they going to have an image of the tower, of Sears Tower on there also? Or what? <laughs> I think, I think you're helping you to make my point. point. <laughs> you're helping to make my point. <laughs> Uh, somebody on the text line says, I should lighten up. We need a light laugh here and there. I agree. I guess so. Andy lets you and I do the rest of the show. <laughs> this is the point where Hamp and OB would normally take over. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, uh, you know, to me, it's crash and burn time. <laughs> I forgot my whistle at Are home. you losing energy in there? No, I'm fading. <laughs> I'm fading like a Chinese balloon over the ocean right now. <laughs> going to take me a few weeks to get back back, back up to my strength I'm of being finish, able to do a full four-hour show. Finish the 11:30 news and there will be nothing but dead air. <laughs> That's all we're going to hear. Wouldn't be the first time no, it's it happened wouldn't. on this show. Yep. It's our first one since our first in studio full show since last September. We did do a full four-hour show sort of at tree time. Actually, it was not it, it wasn't a full Four hours on the air at tree time. Remember, because we were off uh, for an hour, and we did that show just on. The, we just did one hour on the web, while Andy and his little buddies were were doing that. <laughs> his little buddies. You make it sound like Leave It to Beaver and Dennis uh, the Menace. That's what it was like. His little buddies. That's what it was like. Gilligan. Yeah, Andy, Andy would uh, go up to him and go, "Hey, Lumpy." <laughs> Oh, hi, Eddie. <laughs> Hello, Mrs. Cleaver. Oh, OB. Hello, my. Mrs. Cleaver. <laughs> you look so nice today. Your hair is so beautiful. Oh, it was sickening. Off the air, it was sickening. <laughs> Watching Andy kissing up to Hamp and OB. Hey, they're bigger than me. Much bigger. They're bigger than all of us put together. <laughs> um, but the, so really our last full four-hour show, or my full my life yeah yours you guys still were working <laughs> but i was i was done uh it was uh, last september was the last time we did a four-hour show it's amazing all of us together 
Um, but uh, here we are. Here we are again uh, with uh, all the regular features on the show today. We've got a food time show. Uh, I'm getting. I'm going to be talking about some Super Bowl appetizers hmm. today. Isn't that one of the best parts of Super Bowl Sunday? Really? Yeah. I mean, I mean, can you appreciate that, Andy? Or because you're kind of working the whole yeah. day, right? Uh, you know, recently I haven't been, so it's it's been more of something I can take in as a fan and just uh, kind of sit back and enjoy. So, yeah, those are those are good. Uh, it's a good excuse to eat. Let's put it that way. I love uh, I love going to a Super Bowl party, and you know everybody brings a plate, and uh, you know there's just all kinds of little finger food appetizer-y kind of things. Uh, that's that's part of the day for me. You know, if there happens to be a good game going on, all the, even better. But uh, you know, to uh, uh, you know, just be able to uh, enjoy and laugh and have a couple of beverages and some snacks and you know stuff like that. Nothing better. I made some appetizers, uh, Shwani, this past week on WGN TV Morning News on my cooking segment. What'd you make? I made. Uh, well, you know, do you know that uh, Super Bowl Sunday is the day of the greatest consumption of avocados? Hmm. Of avocado? Oh, for dip and so forth. Well, you with know, guacamole and presumably mostly guacamole. I would, I would think. But and I, I've done guacamole recipes before. If you want a fantastic guacamole recipe, my friend Lalo, who is from Mexico. And is a pretty good cook. Uh, it, ha- it makes uh, a really delicious, maybe the most delicious guacamole that I've ever had. We've got the recipe uh, online. I don't have it right here in front of me, but we've posted it so you can get the recipe if you would like it. It's roasted jalapenos, a little mm. bit, a little bit of milk, a little mm. bit of onion. And that's about it, really. There's there's not a lot to it, but it is really, really good. The jalapenos would make it. Oh, and you roast them, so yeah, and they're kind of smoky a little bit. You mash them up, you know, with the uh, avocados. I didn't put too many, you know, the seeds, seeds in the st- uh, the veins inside the jalapeno. That's where the heat lives. So if you know, if you want it hot, you leave that in. If you want it a little milder and more peppery tasting than super hot. You scrape all that stuff out before you mix it in with the avocados. But it's a fantastic guacamole recipe. WGNTV.com slash Dean Cooks. That's where the recipe is. But this past week, I made um, some I made some guacamole appetizers. I'm sorry, some avocado appetizers that are not guacamole. Not guacamole. Uh, one of them was you take... Uh, about uh, a pound of a shrimp, cooked shrimp. You know, you you can buy it like the cocktail shrimp. You know, for shrimp cocktail, uh, or you know, you can cook it yourself. Take the take the shells off and the tails, devein them, put it in a bowl. Take a couple of avocados, put it in a bowl, and uh, you mix in uh, a bunch of uh, spices and uh, a little bit of clamato juice. You ever have clamato juice? Mm-mm. It's delicious. It's like tomato juice, but it's got just a tiny, tiny, tiny hint of clam juice in it also. Uh, so it's uh, there's a tartness uh, to it that mixes in really well with it. Some pico de gallo, and you mix it, all of that together, and it's like a fantastic salsa that's got these huge chunks of avocado, these huge chunks of shrimp, and, uh, you know, lots of the vegetables that uh, you put in from the uh, pico de gallo. 
absolutely uh, delicious. It was a huge, huge, huge hit. Uh, another recipe that I made was a mango and avocado spring rolls. Ooh, that sounds good. Mango avocado spring rolls. So you take the avocado, you mix it with uh, some cream cheese, mash it all together, some onions, uh, thing, you know, some spices, of course, and things like that. And then you take these, uh, the, the rice paper, you know, that they uh, use to, for the spring rolls, like if you're go, going to a Thai restaurant, uh, you put a, a layer of the cream cheese, a layer of the avocado, mashed avocado, and uh, a piece of mango in it. Wrap it up, and uh, it's fantastic. Sweetness of the of of the mango, the tartness of everything else in it. A really nice combination. I've got all the recipes up at wgntv.com slash Dean Cooks. How come you never bring in any for us? Because it's uh, Sunday morning. Well, what th- what does that have to do? Do you want me to save the food from Wednesday for you <laughs> all the way till Sunday, you mean? Some of these can keep. You know, Robin Baumgarten scarfs that stuff down. Oh. <laughs> Andy's been there. Andy, I have. Andy's yes. seen it. I have seen it. Um, I, I, yeah, well, I mean, it depends on what it is. Some some stuff doesn't travel well. Okay. All right. Uh, and it's And I'm lazy. I just thought we might be excluded here, so I well, just was asking. That might all. not be 100% inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sensitive. <laughs> um, I should. I should bring. I should bring something for you all. <laughs> uh, next week, I'm going to be doing some more Super Bowl appetizers. I'm going to be doing stuff fun with puffed pastry. Those are always good. Yeah, puff, puff pastry. It's you know, it's 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 easy to work with. But uh, so I'm going to do uh, several different uh, stuffings inside of uh, puffed pastry, which are you know e- very very easy to do. You don't want to create anything too difficult. Uh, you know, you want to en- enjoy your company, enjoy the game, enjoy what's going on on Super Bowl Sunday. But these you can make ahead of time, and then you know put them out on the on the table later on. Warm or cold. Both. Both? They work both ways. Mm-hmm. I'm doing some with uh, Italian sausage. Okay, yeah. I'm doing some with asparagus. Mm-hmm. I'm doing some with, uh, I, I forget, uh, uh, it's uh, like a, I'm making it like a dessert. So it's like some kind of uh, fruit, like a fruit. Oh, that would be good, yeah. Inside of a puffed pastry. Hmm. And they can be, you can eat them warm or you can serve them room temperature as well. Mm-hmm. I'll make some on uh, Wednesday and then bring them in and see uh, if you <laughs> how you like them. How you like them several days later? Okay, mm, yum. That's good eating. Salmonella hits the morning <laughs> Sunday morning show. We've never done a feature on salmonella. No, we haven't, and I'm not going to. Okay, let's not start now. Let's get Doctor Most back on the phone line. <laughs> He's the official staff uh, physician of the Sunday morning show. Uh, all right. So anyway, we'll talk uh, more about that later on on the food show after 12 o'clock. I can't even believe that I'm going to be on after 12 o'clock today. <laughs> uh, also, we're going to get to our A-list interviews. We haven't had those on for a while because we haven't had time. Uh, we are going to talk with the cast of the new number one movie in America, the uh, M. Night Shyamalan movie, Knock at the Cabin. That's all coming up. I can just hear Bob Collins cackling laugh right now. 
when he was like this. One of his favorite songs, Loudon Wayne Wright the Thirds, Dead Skunk in the Middle of the Road. Uh, one of the many things that we loved about good old Uncle Bobby, uh, the uh, as I mentioned, the top-rated uh, morning show host here on WGN, top of the ratings uh, in Chicago, came here to WGN in uh, 1974 and 1986. Uh, succeeded the legendary Wally Phillips as host of the morning show where Bob would stay until his death uh, in 2000. This coming Wednesday will be, believe it or not, the uh, 23rd anniversary of the uh, death of Bob Collins. <clears throat> so hilarious, so thoughtful, uh, so passionate, so caring. Uh, there, as I as I say, there will never be uh, another like him, uh, WGN and Chicago legend. And I thought for a few minutes this morning, just ahead of the 23rd anniversary of losing Uncle Bobby, we would remember the great Bob Collins. All right, how are you? Good morning, Bob. Bob Collins, you silver tongue, silver hair, W. You sound different. Yeah, yeah. it sounds very, very strange. Different. Sound a little off center there, Bob. Hello, yeah. hello, <laughs> level. <laughs> You're not working it very close. Bob. One, two, one, two. How come roadies can never count to three, by the way? One, two, ten. How are you, Bob? I'm fine. How are you doing? I started working at the Drake in um, 1974, at the time that Bob uh, started working at WGN. And I listened to him daily. Good morning, y'all. And when I would pass. Always pleasant, always smiling, always happy. Cheerful, thrifty, courteous, brave, loyal, clean and reverent. Yep. On my way down. Michigan Avenue when he would be out in the showcase and I would wave on Friday and he would wave back. The mayor is kind of mad because we're not out in the showcase studio and he <laughs> likes being out there on Michigan Avenue. He didn't know me and I never met him but I'm going to miss him. Uh, I promised if you'll come back more often I'll be out there. Every time right. you come back we'll be out I'll there. I'll be standing out there yeah. waving to you. <laughs> Just a little controversy between the news person and the announcer person on the morning show. This rarely happens but forever we've heard of Lake Effect Snow. Right. Is there such a thing as Lake Effect Rain? Yes, there is. Ah, 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 ah. Might I say again? Ah, ah. Papa was alone. Stop. This is science. Wherever he laid his hat was his home. This is science. That'd be the, the first time. Just logical. Now, I realize logic isn't a big part of your makeup. <laughs> Wait a minute, I've seen that figure before, haven't I? <laughs> Number one again. Bob Collins' love of the air, whether on it or in it, was well known to his listeners, as was his caution. He was a champion of Meg's field and fought with his heart and his microphone to keep that runway open, talking once about the scare he experienced over the nearby Gary Airport. He found his way to Chicago via Milwaukee, with stops in Tampa, San Diego, and Los Angeles along the way. Partly cloudy, chance of shunder showers. <clears throat> Hello, leave me alone. His trip to the kingship of morning radio here was long and storied. All right, let me let me uh, make a nickel for the company. From the Tyrone F. Gendelman amateur hour in the evenings to the big orange cap in the afternoons to a laugh that will stay with us all in the morning. Wedding gown restoration is a special art. Imagine the thrill of 
being able to wear your grandmother's gown, Tom, or pride you'll feel as you pass down your own wedding gown. For 38 38 years, Schwartzoff Cleaners in Evanston has been serving brides. Licensed in wedding gown restoration, Schwartzoff Cleaners uses a special process to restore gowns and heirlooms. Founder and owner, Cleet Schwartzoff, Some uh, just some great stuff there from uh, Bob Collins' uh, little montage that was put together. There are all kinds of tributes if you want to hear uh, more Bob Collins uh, on uh, YouTube. Uh, we we've had uh, several memorial uh, CDs <clears throat> that were put out through the years. If you go to wgnradio.com, you can hear more. Uh, as we remember the great Bob Collins, 23 years after losing him, 23 years this coming Wednesday. It's 1141. When we come back, let's get into our A-list interviews for today. The director and stars of the new number one movie in America next. Because we have a full four-hour show. We haven't had one in such a long time. We're dusting off all of our regular uh, features that we've presented to you here since we took over the old uh, Sunday morning show. Uh, including our food time show that will be coming up after 12 o'clock this morning. They did our theater segment today with a a fantastic live performance from the star of the uh, new show Lady Day uh, at the Emerson Bar and Grill. If you're a Billie Holiday fan, uh, tune in. Get get on the web uh, later on once we uh, uh, put that on the web uh, so you can uh, rehear that because it was quite amazing. One of the things that we've always done here on The Morning Show is bring you the biggest A-list stars in the world. Uh, more than any other station, we talk to the same people that you see on all the late-night talk shows. And in this case, uh, this week, uh, the stars of the new number one movie in America for the past, what's it been, six or seven weeks now, uh, Avatar, Way of the Water, has been the number one movie in America. But this week, uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin becomes the new number one movie in America. Uh, It's earned $14 million. That's good enough to take the uh, top spot. And that's where I was last week. Uh, why, Why I was not here last Sunday is because I was in New York City talking with M. Night Shyamalan himself, and also some of the stars of this new white knuckler that he's got out called Knock at the Cabin. Uh, it's a very interesting story. And I, some people are just automatically critical of M. M. Night Shyamalan. I'm not one of those people. Uh, I like every project to stand on its own. I actually heard uh, critics uh, knocking this movie before they even saw it just because they don't like M. Night Shyamalan. That doesn't seem terribly fair to me. Uh, if Knock it if you want to. I mean, if you don't like it, you know, definitely speak your piece. But uh, at least wait until you see it be, before you do. And I was shocked at how many people uh, got didn't understand the premise and people who just completely dismissed the movie uh, because it was M. Night Shyamalan. I thought it was a rather interesting question. Uh, how much are you willing to sacrifice to save the entire world? And specifically, what is asked of uh, a couple in this movie, uh, a family, uh, would, you, would you sacrifice one of your loved ones if it meant 
preventing a worldwide apocalypse? Would you kill one of your loved ones if it meant saving the entire world? That's the the question. There, this family is on a little vacation, uh, you know, deep in the woods at a cabin, just enjoying some relaxation. And uh, four strangers show up, armed strangers, who say that they have had a, a profound prophecy and that the world will uh, be destroyed if one of them in this family doesn't sacrifice another family member. And that's the question that, uh, you know, this, this movie is based on. Will they do it? Uh, where did this prophecy, from where did this prophecy come uh, are these people real? Are you know? There, there's a, so many questions that are going through your mind while you're watching the uh, movie. Uh, it it kept me uh, on my edge of my seat, uh, wondering about all of these things and you know uh, the way that M Night Shyamalan puts together these uh, nail biters, uh, as as he uh, has done since what the uh, Sixth Sense, that like 1999, came out. I see dead people, you know, that uh, that whole story. Uh, the movie uh, stars, among others, Dave Bautista, who you probably know best as Drax from the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Rupert Grint uh, as Ron Weasley from the Harry Potter movies. Uh, we talked to them, two very different roles for both of these actors in this movie. But let's start off with the man himself, the uh, co-writer and the director producer of the movie Cabin in the Woods, M. Night Shyamalan, talking about uh, how he put this whole thing together. Another emotional story with a question that'll stay with you. You know, I'm, I, I, since I was a kid and making movies, I've always been super emotional. Like, I'm a super... And I, I, and I remember I made two little movies before The Sixth Sense, and... I was like, I literally had this conversation with myself. You are too emotional. The world is not as emotional as you. So stop doing that. Hold it back. Hold it back. And Sixth Sense was like me holding it back until the end just a little bit. And in this one, it was the same kind of thing where I was like, all right, just, just let loose at the end of, you know, what makes me feel emotional when I think through the characters' actions. Yeah, it, it really surprised me that my own personal feelings were struck in a completely different direction than I had the previous 135 minutes of, Amazing. of, of the movie. Yeah, so a really multi-layered. Um, why did you make the couple gay? I came, that was the premise in the book. Um, and what was really beautiful for me is it didn't, it didn't really matter to me uh, when I was like, and that's what I, if, if not at the cabin, I think, Will 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 be my my dream is for it is that it will be a, a, a very important moment in movies because it not because there's a a, a a particular couple that's in this but that it's being they're being treated as it's absolutely normal by the storytellers and 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 the, and the story in this particular case this is the configuration of the family and that's it it's and that's not what the movie's about at all and and when I approached it. I didn't really even think about it differently. And what was really interesting, and it might go to what you were feeling as well, I was incredibly connected to this love story in, this, in, in a way that feels even more resonant to me, just me as an individual, 
with my wife and my m what I've gone through, what we've gone through, it felt more connected in some strange way. I don't know how yeah. to explain it. Interesting uh, choices of your cast mm -hmm. also. If someone would have told me that Dave Bautista would be in an M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> I would thought, well, that's never going to happen in, in a million years. But he really was sort of the perfect choice for this character, though, wasn't he? He was absolutely perfect. When I think about it, when the character's written a giant that can emote, that is vulnerable, and ultimately, in a practical way, has to do like 30 pages of dialogue, like monologues. Who could do this? And... Uh, there was, there's literally one person on this planet that can do it, and luckily he walked through the door. Yeah. And, um, I mean, uh, Rupert, uh, in his role as well. Uh, Amazing. Just so perfectly cast. Everybody's so perfectly cast. Thank you so much. I've been really, really aiming my life towards finding those individuals that are healthy, and balanced, and by that I mean that they, they emanate life you know, and love, not, not kind of the, the scars of what it's like to go through life right now. And Rupert is one of those individuals. I've spent five years with him on Servant and um, the TV show for Apple, and just the loveliest human being. And, and when I read that character, Redmond, I was like, oh gosh, I know. Yeah. I know who should play this, and I, I want to be around that energy more. Dave has that. They all, all seven of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think that you as a director are more scrutinized than most? It seems like every time you have a movie coming out, yeah. you, you get raked over the coals of what, you know, what, are, what are you producing, what are you doing? Yeah. I can't think of any other director that goes through that. You know, I, I flipped my relationship to this question uh, over the years. And I was always like, why is this? Why? Because I, I, <laughs> feel, I feel this. And I was like, maybe at first feeling... Um, put upon and the unfairness of it but now I find it um, beautiful um, in that they should expect the very very best and hold to the very very best standards uh, and I should strive for that so don't hold me to anything but your highest standards and I, I appreciate it you know at this point I hold myself to that as well yeah very interesting response to uh, the non-stop criticism that he gets as a director uh, the Rupert that I was talking about when I was uh, talking to him, it's an interesting cast choice, is uh, the young British actor who played Ron Weasley in all of the Harry Potter movies, Rupert Grint. It's a very different kind of role for him in this film. When I sat down with Rupert, we remembered uh, the very first time that I interviewed him. He was an 11-year-old boy. Uh, who was just starting off in this Harry Potter series and how crazy it was for him at that time. Yeah, it is. But uh, really, at the time, you don't really kind of appreciate how kind of strange it was. It was all new. I'd never kind of done anything like that before, and we, we didn't really know what we were doing, what we were saying. But it was, and, and also, it was a very different time then, if you think. It was before kind of social media. It was before this kind of yeah. instant thing. So it was a very different time. Um in that sense but yeah it was i mean it was great fun i have so many fond memories and i'm always kind of nostalgically looking back and enjoying those yeah, times so i i do too like all of you were like so so nice and like, funny <laughs> and charming but yet very professional and at, at the same time uh what was it like for you to uh, jump into this i mean this is kind of dark and a, a, really a little bit different, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, it is. I, I mean, I think it was kind of primed by uh, my history with Knight 
um, we were doing the Apple TV series, um, which is a similar kind of, this kind of quite mysterious horror in one location. Um, so yeah, it, it, feel, it felt like kind of vaguely familiar territory. And also we filmed it in between season four. We, we kind of paused to, to shoot this and it was always the same, it was all the same crew and um, there was a lot of kind of similarities. And yeah, I, I love working with Knight, he's, he's, he's great. He's just, we know each other so well now that it's, it's almost kind of... What, what are the qualities that, I mean, what, what makes him different than another director for you? Um, so many things. I think he's so, he's so articulate and so smart. I think his his notes are always just so well thought out and sometimes quite vague. But you just you you really kind of understand what he's saying and and also his specific. Spe- I'm not going to say this specificity. Yeah. <laughs> he's very specific. Yeah. And so you always know exactly where he's he's already kind of storyboarded everything before you even step onto the set and um, and you know, also you can't really hide. He forces you to always kind of give the truth and. Even when you're not fully on camera, if it's just kind of your shoulder, you always have to do something with your shoulder and still always be in the moment. So it's it's a great exercise. The most surprising uh, cast choice in this movie was Dave Batista as sort of this very gentle giant uh, presenting this prophecy to uh, the couple in the cabin of making this difficult choice of sacrificing a loved one in order to save the world, really. And that was Dave Batista, a former wrestler who we know best from uh, Marvel movies, you know, and these these big uh, beat-em-up uh, kind of uh, films. This one is rather cerebral and required him to really take on some acting chops. And as he told me, it was something that even he was scared of. It was it was it was challenging. It was as challenging as you would imagine. Um, but it was something that I, you know, I started making this statement very early in my career that I wanted to be an actor and not a movie star. And so it was like I got the script and I was like, here it is. Here's my chance. All right. Um, <clears throat> You know, practice what you preach, and so I welcomed the challenge. I really wanted it. I searched for this challenge, but it was—I mean, it was tough. You know, it was tough. I had to really just completely uh, trust and give myself tonight because I doubted myself the whole time, <laughs> and even sometimes, you know, most of the time, I think that my natural instincts of where I wanted to go with my performance—they were just off. From maybe they would have been good performance, but wasn't exactly what he wanted. Uh, so I really just trusted him, and I gave him the performance that he was happy with. And I always said, when you're happy, I'm happy. Massive uh, monologues that you had to give couldn't have been easy. But also, it, it, it's sort of like a dual role, isn't it, of this you know giant scary guy, right. but also this gentle soul. Right. It's almost like you're playing two characters in this movie. Yeah, it felt like I was playing ten characters. Ten characters, really, yeah. You know, it's funny because... Uh, even you know what made it to film was really cut down from the actual monologue uh, or uh, the actual dialogue. And the dialogue was so heavy, and we sh- you know we shot on one camera on film, so it's like no pressure at all. <laughs> wow. wow. Um, but yeah, no, and th- and again, this just goes back to this was kind of the challenge I wanted, and this was. I feel like every time I take a challenging role, it's difficult for me. I feel like I come off the project a better actor, and to me, that's kind of what it's all about. Uh, so that was, I felt like, uh, very strong as a performer after I came off of this, of this film. How interesting. Uh, even with all the success 
that he's had in wrestling and also in acting. I mean, he's taking on something completely different in this role, but racked with insecurity, uh, you know, as a lot of us are when we try out new things. That's Dave Batista, one of the stars of the new movie Knock at the Cabin, Rupert Grint. And uh, M. Night Shyamalan, uh, our A-list interviews for this week, we'll post everything up so you can uh, listen to them again uh, if you'd like. And uh, next week we'll have some more for you. Coming up after 12 o'clock, we're back to doing our food time show. Good you, Rand McNally. <laughs> Going out for some, some temperatures. Well, they're available here. Men- Mendota? What? Mendota. Mendota. Yes. That's uh, west, southwest of Salmonock, Illinois, mm-hmm. northeast of Princeton. Uh, and what was the other one? Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo, Michigan. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's nice. <laughs> I think you are starting to lose energy <laughs> I here. But I am tired. <laughs> I've I've worked so far. I've worked a grueling three this hour is, day. This is your marathon show. <coughs> no, you know what? September. I got a little tickle in my throat. Now. Oh, okay. So, okay. Pardon me while I have a beverage. Broadcasters aren't supposed to have that. <laughs> I should have played. The, uh, I should have good. played the Three Stooges drinking sound. Uh, the the uh, guzzling uh, of the. Uh, 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 <laughs> I'm going to have that at the ready I don't next know, time. I got a little tickle in my throat all of a sudden. <laughs> well, you have yeah you you have been on for uh, just over three, three hours. Three hours, it's yeah. exhausting. <laughs> it's not like you haven't done this before. We just kind of got <laughs> a little done spoiled. It in a long time, and you know we I'm, got a little spoiled. That's all. I'm much older now. <laughs> oh, it's that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you are the oldest one here on the uh, Sunday I'm morning. I need you to staff. wheel me into the studio soon. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. Hang wheel on. you in. Hang on, I need another beverage. Hold on. <laughs> Go ahead and make <laughs> the noise. You know what? All I can say, we did a little tribute to Uncle Bobby Collins. It was so nice to hear his voice again. <laughs> he would be so proud of us. I know he would. Doing such stupid things. I know. I know. <laughs> Do the drinking sound again. <laughs> <laughs> idiots. <laughs> We're idiots. <laughs> There's no hope. There is no hope. Uh, so uh, this is a very important hour of the show to listen to because I could collapse at any moment. <laughs> uh, get in on the pool. Uh, most people think I'm not going to make it till, uh, 1219. No, I think at 1210. Do you think 1210? 1210. I'm going down? Yes. All right. Well, Shwani will have the food show then coming up, uh, just the end dining show back up and running after a season of preemption. We're back. Getting ready for Super Bowl Sunday with some uh, good old Super Bowl uh, recipes coming up. Want to uh, open up the phone lines and get some of your favorite things that you put out for Super Bowl Sunday? Some you know crowd favorites. I've got a few things that uh, I'm going to be working on that I'll share with you. But I'm always curious to get uh, you know some of uh, your recipes. Shwani, you know what I had uh, recently? 
This uh, absolutely delicious. Uh, just some good old fashioned bugles and French onion dip. There is no finer food that uh, we have ever had, and you, uh, preferably the Lipton's French onion dip. You know, that still has little pockets of powder in it for a little bang of extra flavor uh, with, uh, the, you know, bugles, just in case uh, your sodium levels aren't high enough. Uh, you can, uh, you know, just go crazy with all of that. So anyway, we'll get to all of that uh, coming up and so much more. The uh, Grammy Awards are tonight. Uh, music industry's biggest night, and uh, we'll be covering it. Uh, tomorrow morning, we'll have all the all the winners, all the losers, um, you know, memorable moments, as, as I often uh, say, half-jokingly, I watch so you don't have to. But uh, a lot of people just, they're kind of tired of uh, award shows, I guess. And uh, they're, you know, somewhat interested in who wins and who loses. But, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we still bring, bring it all to you. I love the Grammy Awards for one reason and one reason uh, specifically, the performances. And they've got uh, an outstanding lineup of performers set to entertain starting at 7 o'clock tonight on CBS, and they're also streaming. But Stevie Wonder is going to be performing tonight with Smokey Robinson. That's going to be quite a a collaboration. And country star Chris Stapleton. So the three of them together performing. Uh, Lizzo will be performing tonight. Harry Styles, who just got done selling out the United Center for six straight nights, uh, he's one of my favorite uh, of all the new performers. I really enjoy his music. Brandy Carlisle is amazing country performer. Uh, Luke Combs is amazing. I've always loved Mary J. Blige. Uh, very few have uh, the range and depth that uh, she does in her music. She's one of the performers tonight. Steve Lacey, Sam Smith, uh, DJ Khaled will be performing with John Legend and Jay-Z and Lil Wayne and Rick Ross and Friday. Jay-Z very rarely uh, performs at these kinds of things. So just the fact that he's going to be part of a presentation tonight, I think is going to be kind of interesting. And then they have this 50th anniversary salute to hip-hop music. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of you, you know, are saying, "Ah, I'm not into hip-hop music uh, I, I don't know anything about it, but I'll bet if you think back to people like Run DMC, you are. I'll bet. I'll bet you. You know, go back. Uh, you know, many of you uh, with uh, with their music and uh, the group Public Enemy, Queen Latifah. I mean, there are lots of old school artists who are part of, believe it or not, the 50th anniversary of hip hop music. Uh, it's hard to believe that it's uh, you know been around that long, but it has and has grown and has influenced everything since then. You know, a lot of people say you know you don't uh, you don't you're not into it, you don't like it, but uh, it has uh, incorporated itself into lots of different musical genres. LL Cool J is going to kind of uh, M- MC, I guess you might say this. Uh, tribute to this particular musical genre, uh, genre Questlove, from uh, the group, from uh, Jimmy Fallon's uh, band, The Roots, 
uh, will be uh, acting as the musical director of this particular segment, and the Roots themselves will be performing. So if you like their music, uh, you probably will also like this with Grandmaster Flash and De La Soul and Busta Rhymes. I mean, there are some some old school names that go back to the 1970s. Uh, and and some of the newer, uh, you know, more contemporary uh, performers who are going to be part of that as well. So performance-wise, uh, they've got a lot of cool stuff that will be on tonight. I'm going to have all the highlights of this tomorrow morning on uh, WGN TV Morning News if you're interested. Uh, we'll, uh, you know, do little montages of some of the best performances. And then, you know, there are the awards uh, tonight for the year's best music uh, you know, and you say I'm not into the new music uh, that's out there right now. I don't, I don't know any of the bands. Well, how about ABBA? I'll bet you know ABBA. They're they're nominated for Record of the Year this year. They put out their first album in I don't know how many decades, and their song called "Don't Shut Me Down" was nominated for Record of the Year. Probably is not going to win uh, because it's up against Adele and her song "Easy on Me." And Beyonce, for her song, Break My Soul, uh, most of the musical experts, people who follow the music scene a lot closer than I do, are saying that tonight will be all about Adele and Beyonce, that they are expected to be the, the big winners, which, you know, I, I love music from uh, both of them. Uh, Brandy Carlisle is nominated for Record of the Year for her song called You and Me on the Rock. I love Brandy Carlisle music. As I'd mentioned, uh, a huge fan of Harry Styles. Uh, his song, As It Was, was one of my favorites earlier this year. Mary J. Blige, big fan. Uh, Steve Lacey, big fan. Lizzo, uh, big fan. Kendrick Lamar, enjoy his music. Uh, Doja Cat, uh, you know, some of the uh, people who are nominated. But anyway, we'll sort it all out. And uh, as I said, tomorrow morning, uh, not only on WGN-TV Morning News, but on uh, Bob Surratt, on my entertainment segment that we do every weekday morning between 8 and 8.30, we'll sort it all out and, you know, ex- explain uh, to everybody what what happened. I was, I was telling Shawnee earlier that, uh, you know, watching the Grammy Awards for me now is a mixture of me reacting, going... Uh, I have no idea who this is. Uh, at some point, you age out of the Grammy Awards. I have no idea who this is, and then you you bounce back and forth to that's not music. That's not music. You you kids <laughs> get a haircut. You kids don't know what music is. Did your dad react to when he first did, did? Did you watch the Beatles? Yes, on Ed Sullivan. Yes, yes, I did. Remember it very well, and uh, there was shock and disbelief. I remember. I clearly remembering my dad say, "What's up with their hair?" Yeah, it was the Why hair. Why don't they get a haircut? Yeah, it was the hair. Yeah, primarily the hair. Um, and then that year, uh, 1964, I got a Beatles record for my birthday, but I was only allowed to play it once a day because wow. your mother can't take that noise <laughs> your mother can't take yes it. it's your mother's fault <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's interesting is that the beatles were around until i think 1970 and by that time their songs were you know just institutions and classics 
uh, I remember and, Dad and singing cor- or humming along with. Uh, I was going to say incorporating full yeah. orchestras. Oh yeah, full symphonic orchestras yeah. in many of their songs. Abbey Road, especially. Wow. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't think my dad ever warmed up to them. I don't think that even toward the end. No, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. He wasn't so happy when I came home with that one dollar beetle wig that I bought. Also, <laughs> boy, I would love to find that. <laughs> I you you have to have that stashed away. Somewhere. I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm sure it disintegrated shortly after I purchased it <laughs> for a dollar. You know, it was a very high quality uh, that I bought at Woolworths. Well, I was going to say Woolworths or yeah. um, Kmart or something. Yeah, no, it was Woolworths. Woolworths. It, it was Woolworths. One dollar. <laughs> and, you know, that was some big money back then for me. Yes, it was. That was, uh, you know, to, to get a whole dollar and spend it on one thing was, uh, that was quite the extravagance. Oh, yeah. Then. But I, I, could not, I could not wait to get home, get in front of that big picture mirror that we <laughs> put had, that... <laughs> put that thing on, put a Beatles record on, and lip sync my <laughs> butt off. I can see you doing that. Were you playing air guitar with it, or were you Ringo playing air drums? No, I was. Uh, I was air. I was air Paul. You were air Paul. Okay, yeah, I was air Paul. A friend of mine was uh, air John. Okay, we must have had a George. You must have had a George. There and... were four of us. There okay, were... then you had. Then you yeah. had the full group. Yeah, there were four idiots. We're st- <laughs> we had this giant mirror in our living room. <laughs> we... <laughs> this is way too much information that I'm sharing today. <laughs> We had this giant mirror in the living room, and the four of us had our beetle wigs on. <laughs> what were we, like 10 years old or something? We're 10 years old and lip-syncing to I Want to Hold Your Hand. Your hand. Because <laughs> that's the only record that we had. We couldn't afford a wig and a record, so we could only, you know, like one person had the wig, one person had the record. So, you know, we shared around. <laughs> And we stood and lip synced over and over and over, and we <laughs> played thought, the same record. We thought we were the coolest people on the face. Oh, of the earth. sure, yeah. yes. <laughs> are people doing that with Beyonce? Are ten year olds doing that now? Maybe they are. Maybe they are. Taylor and, Swift. Yeah, right. The I more know, things change, the more they stay the I same. Know a lot of kids, like little kids, that stand in front of pretend microphones and mm-hmm. sing Taylor Swift songs. Well, these days, you don't need a pretend microphone. You know, you can have the real thing. That's true. That's yeah. very true. You do a, like a karaoke thing. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. I like to think that the kids are as dorky as we were. <laughs> <laughs> I can only speak for myself. Oh, yeah. I shouldn't assume, but I sort of do assume that you were as big a dork as oh, I was. I, yeah, I admit it. I admit it. I I also have to say this, too. What we were talking about three hours ago has now come true. The show is getting a little off the rails because we're getting a little uh, overtired. But <laughs> did you, you were think, right. Did you think that there was any question that that was no. not going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody on the text line said Brandy Carlisle is not considered a country artist. Her genre of music is considered Americana. Americana. It's like Americana is more like bluegrass, right? Well, bluegrass, but country music certainly is Americana. It's a is American origination. I think she's I I think there's a fine line between country americana and bluegrass <laughs> and it's it's not it's not the uh 
it's not the uh, crime that you are saying that it is uh, <laughs> by me by me saying that i i think it's you know perfectly fine uh here's an open-minded comment on our text line hip-hop music is for idiots <laughs> <laughs> boy you set me up there i do it boy here's an open-minded comment I know some people don't, you know, not not everybody has to like everything, but you don't have to be rude or insulting about it either that, you know, plenty of people like hip hop music. If you don't, then just say you don't like hip hop music. Why do you have to be insulting to other people? Boy, that boy, that aggravates me. People, why do people have to be so rude to other people? I don't get that. Schwanny. Oh, yeah, you're right. You, I blame you for I that. I wasn't uh, going to <clears throat> allude to anybody being rude to someone else. Blame you. <laughs> Has that happened? I think so. Uh, here's one uh, from the 815 area code. This is very interesting comments on music. My father always said that he didn't like the way Neil Diamond sounded. Hmm. Neil Diamond? Hmm. thought he always oh. sounded... The person on the text line describes it a different way, but it's a little bit disgusting, so I'm not going to, now, not going to say exactly Neil what Neil Diamond is doing pretty much the same thing that Elton John is doing, right? A, a farewell well, he's, no, number he's, of appearances? He's completely retired now. Okay, but I saw somewhere where he came back out for a, a guest appearance at a show. He came back out for uh, the opening of the Broadway show. That's Be- right. Beautiful yes, Noise. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. It's a, you know, one of these Broadway shows that features nothing but Neil Diamond music. And he came out, he, he made an appearance on the opening night for that, and I think he sang Sweet Caroline. Right. Uh, Had the audience join in. Right. Yeah. Join along. But Neil, Di- uh, Neil Diamond is uh, living with Parkinson's disease. That's right, Parkinson's, That, that yes. is progressing. So he was on a tour uh, and uh, canceled it and retired because of the effects of his Parkinson's disease. So mm-hmm. uh, I hope he's doing okay. Hope he's hope he's doing well. And, you know, great that he made the appearance uh, uh, at the uh, Broadway Theater where the show was running. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, very interesting to me. Uh, some uh, how about some trivia? How about some uh, Grammy trivia? Can you name the president of the United States who has won a Grammy award? I believe it was Barack Obama, and uh, he won it twice for a spoken word in the spoken word category. Spoken word category. <laughs> did you think he was? Did you did you think he was in the best disco category? Well, it may have been, I don't know. Is there a best The dis- man can sing, by the way. Is there a de- best disco category? Not any. <laughs> I don't think so. May have been at one time. It's Casey and the Sunshine KC Band. The sunsh- sunshine Band. <laughs> uh easy for you to say. Bill Clinton has won two Grammy awards. Mm-hmm. Yes, spoken word. Uh but Jimmy Carter has won three times. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Jimmy Carter has won. Three. So we've had three presidents that have won. We have had three. And multiple times. That's correct. That's exactly okay. correct. Uh, the youngest person to win a Grammy Award? Mm, couldn't say. Couldn't say. Leanne Rimes. Okay. Was 14 years old when she won two Grammy Awards, one for Best New Artist and the other for Best Country Vocal Performance country americana or <laughs> whatever all of the above I, I believe country i believe country covers all uh who is the only person ever to refuse a grammy award refuse won a grammy award and then refused to accept the award 
Well, that was Marlon Brando were in was the, the Academy, Oscar. the Oscars. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. But it was Irish singer Sinead O'Connor. Oh, Sinead O'Connor. She won a Grammy Award in 1991 for Best Alternative uh, Performance, but turned it down because of the politics uh, involved. The politics of the Grammy Award of, of the process, American I, Academy of Arts and Sciences I, I or suppose, whatever it is. I yeah, suppose, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. So, uh, for all of you, what, what did that one text say? The people who like hip, oh, hip hop is for idiots. For all of you idiots uh, <laughs> who will be watching the Grammys tonight, you'll see that big tribute. Uh, otherwise, this idiot will uh, have a recap of it all for you tomorrow morning. Twelve thirty-six already. Have we been on the air for that long? What? Dean Richards Sunday Morning Show with our Food Time Show back. And just in time for Super Bowl Sunday, one of the biggest foodie days of the year. I love that it's the day on which more avocados are consumed than any other day of the year. I saw the statistic uh, earlier this week. Something like 6 million pounds of avocados are consumed uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. I presume... Most of that is uh, guacamole, Uh, but uh, this past week on my uh, TV cooking segment, every Wednesday, 9.35 in the morning, uh, I did some Super Bowl appetizers using avocado that are not guacamole, and I I, I did a a bunch of things, but uh, one of my, definitely my favorite, and based on the reaction, you know, we, I, I cook this stuff every week, I do the cooking segment every week so we always have food and the crew you know they they can't wait to eat larry and robin larry potash and robin baumgarten are you know first up to the table and you know they chow down paul conrad uh pat tomasulo they you know they all chow down but this this uh, sort of dip that i made uh was that, i'm not sure i would exactly call it a dip it went like wildfire and it was I, I started off with uh, two avocados, two pretty good size avocados. So figured figured two or three, you know, and, and perfectly ripe. Uh, cut those up in little cubes. Covered it with cellophane because the longer uh, that cut avocado is exposed to the air, uh, the sooner it's going to start turning brown. So whatever you can do to, uh, you know, keep the keep the air off of it. Uh, it's going to stay fresher looking longer. <clears throat> so I, cut, I just put a like a just a thin layer right on top of it. Uh, I took uh, a pound of cooked shrimp. Uh, I, I had went and got some frozen shrimp. It was on sale. That's the reason I chose that. Uh, I uh, sauteed it down real quick and uh, took the tails off. You know, they were already cleaned. Cut those up into similar bite-sized pieces. Uh, that the shrimp go in with the avocado, then uh, some pico de gallo that you can make yourself. It's onions, tomatoes, cilantro. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much pico de gallo, or they sell it at all the stores now. In the produce departments, you can buy fresh-made pico de gallo. It's a, a lot easier. Uh, that that went in. I would say maybe about a half a cup. Uh, went in some fresh lime went in squeezed two fresh limes into it all uh you know so now i've got the avocado the shrimp the pico de gallo i've got the lime 
and some clamato juice, not tomato juice, but clamato juice. It's got a different flavor. It's not fishy tasting at all, uh, but there is clam juice in it that adds uh, sort of a tartness to it all. Uh, and a and a nice. I love tomato juice, so you know it adds a, a really nice tomatoey uh, flavor uh, to it as well. You mix it up and uh, you let it sit. Uh, I I actually let it sit for about an hour because I wanted especially that lime to permeate, but all the flavors of the onions, the tomatoes, the uh, pico de gallo, a bunch of spices went into it. A little bit of cumin, some garlic went into it. Uh, and it makes just makes a fantastic. Uh, it's almost like a ceviche, but it's almost like a dip. Also, you can take the tortilla chips, you know, and put them in there. You can put them on some uh, flatbread. Uh, also, really, really tasty. If you wanted to, you could take this and put it on some cold noodles, you know, and serve it that way. It would be fantastic to put out on your uh, Super Bowl uh, appetizer table. Uh, the recipe, by the way, is uh, posted. And you can watch me make it. The video of me wa- uh, making it is at wgntv.com slash Dean Cooks. You can get uh, all the recipes, everything that I make each week. Uh, we put the recipes up there in the videos so you can uh, you know see how it's supposed to go. This coming Wednesday, I'm going to be doing some more uh, Super Bowl appetizers using puffed pastry this time. And I'm super excited about some sausage rolls that I'm going to make. I'm going to get some Italian sausage, and uh, I'm going to. For, for, uh, this is uh, this isn't the exact recipe, and I'll post the the recipe because I have to experiment around with it a little bit. But I'm going to uh, sauté some onions, some garlic, some celery, uh, and uh, sauté that up so it softens down a little bit, and then. Uh, in uh, another bowl, uh, pork sauces. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get Italian sausage. I happen to like the spicy, but you can certainly use the mild. But I like the spices, the fennel that they put in Italian sausage. So I'm going to use that with some parsley, uh, a couple of eggs maybe, you know, just to hold it together, uh, some, some panko breadcrumbs. I'm going to put that in the meat mixture and then ultimately mix it all together and uh, lay out my puffed pastry, roll it out a little bit to thin it out a little bit, and then put uh, rows of the sausage and vegetable mixture, long rolls of it, roll it up in the puffed pastry, and then cut it into bite-sized pieces. Put it in the oven or in an air fryer. Either one would work. The sausage will cook inside the puff pastry. I think it would be pretty delicious. I'm kind of looking forward to that. Serve it with, uh, you know, like a marinara sauce. Put a little bowl of marinara sauce uh, out there. Maybe some uh, honey mustard, something like that. I think that would be quite delicious. So, uh, you know, a couple of ideas. But what I want are some of your uh, Super Bowl recipe ideas. What are some of the things that you put out every year? And I, you know, if you have a Velveeta recipe in particular, I love a Velveeta appetizer. I really do. Uh, I'd love to hear some of your uh, ideas with that. If you use an air fryer now for, for you know, these uh, recipes, things that you might have oil fried in the past that you're now doing on an air fryer, or if you've got some other air fryer ideas, I would love to hear that as well. 
You know, I uh, back in the day, I would do uh, mozzarella sticks. I would take mozzarella, cut them into sticks, bread them, you know, with some uh, panko uh, uh, bread uh, crumbs and, you know, throw them in the hot oil. I do all that stuff now in the air fryer. A lot cleaner. You don't get oil all over your house. Your house doesn't smell like, uh, you know, oil frying. Uh, and it's a little bit healthier. And to me, it's uh, absolutely just as delicious. Uh, so if you've got any, you know, recipes like that, I, I would love to have some of you share. Uh, 312-981-7200 is our phone number. And uh, I also wanted to share uh, a recipe with you for a couple of dips, you know, that are perfect, of course, for a uh, Super Bowl. One of them is a pizza dip. Uh, pizza dip, yeah. You make it, uh, you know, very similar. You know, get a, take a bowl uh, and you put in all the ingredients that you normally would uh, put into a pizza. Put it in the bowl, throw it in the microwave, and uh, you serve it with... Uh, you know, some some uh, uh, crispy bread, you know, some nice crunchy bread, but you put a little marinara sauce in there. You put some mozzarella cheese in there, uh, maybe some sausage, maybe some pepperoni. I would put uh, mushrooms and onion in there or green pepper. Those are my favorite things uh, on a pizza. But you put it maybe like in a, a pie pan, uh, you know, a pie dish or some kind of bowl. A Pyrex, uh, you know, rectangular kind of plate, nine by nine, uh, you know, a glass bowl would be perfect. Uh, melt it all up and then put that out on the table. It's just like a pizza but without the crust. You know, you're, you're probably going to put some, you know, add you know, crackers or something into it. Uh, but uh, it's delicious. It's absolutely delicious. <clears throat> I also found a recipe this week. I always joke about loving uh, the Lipton onion soup mix that you can use uh, to make onion uh, dip. You know, you d- just take a thing of sour cream and put the, the dry onion soup mix in, stir it up, and it's delicious with potato chips, bugles, you know, whatever. But I found a recipe that I'm going to try for caramelized onion dip to, to take the onion flavor to a new complex level caramelizing some onions mixing that in with the this particular recipe calls for sour cream and mayonnaise i might stick with just the sour cream just because i i like that better but um it's basically the the sweet caramelized onions with uh, a little bit of garlic and uh, this uh, you know the the wonderful mix of uh, sour cream and uh, some other spices in there uh, i'm going to experiment with that more and i'll tell you more about it after uh you know we we try it and see how it works out i'll probably uh, show you on tv uh as well because you know these are fantastic recipes for super bowl sunday uh 312-981-7200 is my phone number i'd love to hear your super bowl appetizer uh ideas that you have 312-981-7200 when we come right back i think i'm gonna make it the full four hours got a burst of energy in the the last 20 minutes or so i may stay i may not get off the air today our food time show is on the air talking super bowl appetizer recipes 312-981-7200 and let me start off with cindy from where are you calling cindy 
I'm calling from up near Spring Grove, Illinois. Nice to have you. Have you ever been to the auto show? Uh, Bolo? No, the uh, Chicago Auto Show. Have you ever gone? Uh, years ago, years ago. Uh, what if I gave you four free tickets? Do you think that you might uh, find some use for those? Sure, absolutely. All right. Well, you hang Thank on. Thank you so much. You hang Thank on you. when we get done here, and uh, we're going to set you up with four tickets to the Chicago Auto Show, uh, February 11th right. through 26th at McCormick Place. Go to chicagoautoshow.com to get more information. But you've got a Super Bowl appetizer idea for me, huh? Well, it's a recipe I kind of stumbled upon, and it's actually off the Taste of Home, probably their website, which, which is a cookbook, magazine. But it's called One Bite Tamales. Okay. And it was really good. You make it with, like, spicy pork sausage roll, uh, some cornmeal, other spices. And then the sauce actually calls for tomato juice, which you were talking about. Yeah. I didn't I didn't have that, so I used tomato soup and thinned it out a little. Uh, and you just make, you know, bake the, the meatballs, make the sauce. And then you serve it in those little like tortilla scoops. Oh yeah! And it was it it was absolutely delicious. So so you take the uh, the ground meat, and then right. you, you form the cornmeal around it. You moist? No no no! It's, it's just added into it like a meatball. Oh, you mix it all together. Yeah, and, and it then wi- the spices. It, yeah, it winds up tasting like a, a tamale. Then it does. It was really really good with the sauce, and it had some Ooh. spices and uh, little scoops. You know, like a little bowl they're served in. Yeah. You can see it on the on the website, the picture of it, and, and they're cute and they're delicious. That sounds like a fantastic idea. I'm, I'm so happy yeah. that you uh, called that one in. I'm going to give that a try. And, uh, All right, sounds good. Hang on for a second, and uh, uh, Jack's going to get the information for the uh, auto show tickets for you. John, you're up next yeah. on WGN. Hi. Hi, Dean. Love your marathon show. <laughs> Thank you. Great, Thanks. I, I'm, great to have I'm sprinting you toward the finish line. I'm like yes, I'm yes. like those marathon runners. You're not sure <laughs> if they're going to make it or not. Oh, you're doing great. Um, I make what I call a roll-up, and uh, I take a soft tortilla shell, like a whole wheat tortilla shell that's soft, about mm-hmm. eight inches, maybe more, yeah. uh, uh, across. And then I, I spread the whipped cream cheese nice. on about two-thirds of it. And then I put um, either, you know, so I can mix deli ham and turkey or just ham or just turkey. Right. And then I usually use something like a balsamic glaze. Nice. And then I roll it up. Oh. And I, yep, hold it together with toothpicks. Yeah. And then you can either cut, cut, you know, some people call them tin wheels if you make them small. Right. Uh, or I just do like sections. Almost uh, you like know, that are, little mini sandwich wraps or yeah, something, right? Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's a good idea. I, yeah, it works. I love the balsamic glaze in there. What a yes. what a nice, uh, like a little zesty surprise in there. Yeah, and you can mix. You know, you can mix it. You can sometimes I use a Thousand Island dressing, mm. uh, honey uh, honey mustard, or mayo must something like that. Oh, but the balsamic glaze seems to be the best. Yeah, and I hate to spoil everyone's fun, but it's almost a little bit healthy too. Yeah, yeah. I imagine you could, if you wanted to. Did you ever put any lettuce in there? Tomato, any veggies? I, I haven't, like that? but that I think that's a great idea. Um, I, you know, it, it tends to. Um, I'm trying to think about how 
how thick it is uh, just with the meat and the and the cheese. Right. Yeah. Probably uh, going to add some you know, bulk, maybe an inch and a half. to it. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I think you have to roll them. You know, more like sandwiches in that case. The, right. Because right. a little bite size be won't hold yeah. everything. But yeah, that would be fine too. I love that. How 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 it's so simple with uh, you know deli meat really. Yeah. And uh, it, it works. Those other you know the 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 cream the whipped cream cheese. And balsamic or Thousand Island or honey mustard, those dressings just give it a really nice little zest. I love those Mm -hmm. ideas. Thank you. Well, thank thank you. All right. Thanks so much. And have a great Super Bowl Sunday. Let me see what else we have here on the old uh, text line. Uh, We have uh, someone texting in a recipe for uh, something that's called Ants Piles. Ants Piles. Hmm. Breakfast sausage, Velveeta cheese. Cooked and then piled. Oh, I, here I go. Now I understand the pile. Uh, the breakfast sausage and Velveeta cheese are cooked and then piled on cocktail rye. You know, those little squares. And then you bake it until the bread gets crisp. What a nice idea. You get a, the little bite of sausage with the yummy uh, Velveeta. I know real foodies uh, recoil whenever I suggest that Velveeta is quite delicious and uh, I I enjoy uh, using it from time to time, but um, that's a great suggestion. Eight one five area code. Thank you for that. Here's uh, a, a recipe. Oh, let me see here. Uh, okay, here. So, oh, somebody actually took a picture of their handwritten recipe and sent it, and it says on this handwritten note: one pound of Velveeta, a jar of picante sauce. A jar of uh, tamales, jar of tamales? Do they sell tamales in jars? Uh, Hormel chili, no beans. You put it all in a crock pot until the cheese melts. Okay, I like the idea. I don't, I'm not sure what the, the, I don't don't know if I've ever seen jarred tamales. But uh, if, you know, if they exist, but you know, it would be good. This recipe uh, combined with the mini tamale recipe that we got on the phone uh, a few minutes ago, uh, where you take the ground beef and the cornmeal, form them like little like little meatballs, and put those in the crock pot with the Velveeta and the picante sauce and the Hormel chili with no beans. You warm all of that up together. Who we? That sounds that that sounds like a winning combination. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is our uh, phone number for your Super Bowl uh, recipes. Let me see here. Here's uh, a recipe coming in from the good old 309 area code. Nice to hear from you today. Smoked cream cheese. You wrap three blocks of cream cheese in foil with bacon included, and then you put it in your smoker for three hours at 275 minutes. I'll bet that's incredibly delicious. I don't know if a lot of people have... uh, you know smokers but you know you can you can work something out definitely uh you definitely work that out uh let me see here what else do we have some some really good some good recipes being texted in uh here's someone saying i always make the uh, vidalia onion dip uh basically the caramelized onion recipe that i was talking about a minute ago i always make the vidalia onion dip uh sweet onions uh, mixed with mayo, onions, and cheddar cheese together, baked for 20 minutes, and then served with those little scooped 
tortilla crackers. Oh, man, my mouth is watering. That sounds so good. Um, let me get uh, see one more. Oh, here's one that I saw earlier uh, where someone was saying, I am making mini tricolored peppers stuffed with Monterey Jack cheese and topped with uh, chorizo. Oh, that sounds good. You've seen those little peppers. They're about the size of your finger, right? Uh, and you, you uh, cut them in half, take the seeds and the stem, uh, the uh, veins out, and then you put the Monterey Jack uh, cheese. I think I would put the chorizo in first and then top it with the Monterey Jack cheese. It, it, this a recipe that's texted in said uh, that you cook it up in the frying pan, which is interesting. I think I might put them in a like a baking dish or a sheet tray and put them in the oven for you know maybe 325 degrees for 15, 20 minutes, something like that, till it all kind of uh, melts down together. That sounds just super delicious to me. Um, yeah, we've got some fantastic recipes. We'll, we'll post some of these. And as I say, this coming Wednesday uh, on WGN-TV Morning News, I always cook Wednesday morning at 9.35. We're going to be doing some more Super Bowl uh, appetizer recipes, and I'm going to be uh, working with uh, puff pastry. I've got three different fillings that are going to go into some puff pastry recipes. So uh, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for calling in and uh, suggesting some of your recipes. Hey, how do you like that? I made it. Full four-hour show. I'm the Iron Man of WGN <laughs> for, for making it through a full four-hour show today. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here with us. We'll see you tomorrow morning on WGN-TV Morning News with a recap of the Grammy Awards. And of course, Monday through Friday, 8 to 8.30 on Bob Surratt's show right here on WGN Radio. And we always talk uh, entertainment. We'll have some fun with uh, all of that.